Hello. There have been some exciting changes to our Patreon campaign in the past, well, I guess now. This is the first time we're announcing them. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv to see the new tiers, see what else is available to you, and uh, just check out ways that you can support us. Once again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, and thank you so much. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. Bergenworth is an old place of learning, and the tomb of the gods, carved out below Yarnum, should be familiar to every hunter. Well, once a group of young Bergenworth scholars discovered a holy medium deep within the tomb. In this sense, everything sacred in Yarnum can be traced back to Bergenworth. But today, the college lies deep within a tangled wood, abandoned and decrepit. And furthermore, the healing church has declared Bergenworth forbidden ground. It's unclear how many of its scholars remain alive, but only they know the password that allows passage through the gate. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And my name is Danielle Riendo. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a hunter's favorite. Yes, and this week we are talking about a smattering of lore-significant areas, uh, including the Hypogean Jail, uh, the Abandoned Hunter's Workshop, and most importantly, uh, Bergenworth College. And as you heard, we are joined by Danielle Rando of Polygon.com and the Idle Thumbs Podcast. Hi, Danielle. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me here. This is going to be a lot of fun. I, uh, I definitely played quite a bit of Bloodborne a couple of months back, so hopefully I'll, I'll be of some use here speaking about the lore and such. <laughs> oh no, I mean even just uh, just experience will be will be useful. And 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 people people who listen to the show know, and I, I mentioned this in, to an email, but it can't really be be overstated. Like you're you're one of our most requested. Uh, oh, I guess I, a lot of people. <laughs> it's it's absolutely true. Like a, a lot a lot of people who listen to our show have you know just said like hey you know we like a lot of them listen to idle thumbs and i know a lot of them uh watch watch your let's play and, and read your stuff on polygon and uh <laughs> well, and said hey that would be that would be great and we agreed <laughs> and i'm i'm very happy that you agreed yeah. to, to uh, spend some time with us i'm personally a huge fan i mean just your coverage of bloodborne and then oh, also <laughs> also your and, and and not not to gush here but also just kind of your your coverage of horror games in general both on idle thumbs and across polygon.com it seems you jump on those and represent them very well well, thank you so much. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm super flattered to hear that. And uh, yeah, my God, I, you know, I'm just a big geek. I think I, <laughs> I just get really passionate about stuff. So, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll bring my A game. <laughs> um, what's your experience with uh, with Bloodborne and kind of the Soul series in general? Sure. So Bloodborne was actually pretty much my first real experience with the Soul series. I played a little bit of Demon Souls actually back in like 2009, right when it came out. Um, and, and I thought that was cool and it was interesting, but it was sort of during a time I wasn't playing as many games. Um, I sort of, I actually worked <laughs> at the ACLU, believe it or not, for a little while. And so, you know, I played like six or seven games a year and that was pretty much it. And Demon's Souls, unfortunately, was not one that I kind of got all the way through. Yep. So when Bloodborne came out, um, my colleague Phil Kohler said, you know what? We've got to do this. We've just got to do a let's play. We're going to do a full length let's play. It's it's like the first <laughs> one we're doing for a game of this length. You know, more than a twelve hour game, basically. Yeah. Let's just do it. 
<laughs> we started doing the Let's Play. I got really hooked, really interested. My girlfriend actually started playing the game. And so, of course, I started playing the game as well. So I sort of had these three hilariously almost <laughs> simultaneous experiences playing the game or sort of watching someone play the game or being in the room with someone playing and also commenting on it. So <laughs> a very interesting Bloodborne experience, I guess. <laughs> You're experiencing three like slightly shifted timelines of the same exactly. events. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It was very Star Trek. It was like kind of a Next Generation episode or something. It was kind of <laughs> cool. <laughs> nice. Have, have you gone back at all to the, the earlier games in the series um, having played this or do you have any interest in doing so? I would love to play Dark Souls 2. And that's also yeah. Phil Kohler's fault. <laughs> He's kind of like, you you need to play the, you know, the last one. And everybody else has kind of told me Dark Souls 1 is really, like, I should go to that one. But he's telling me to, like, go backwards, you know, sort of chronologically. And I, and I think I'm going to at some point. It's certainly, yeah. um, maybe not just yet, but once I have a little bit more time. And I know we're actually going to probably do some more Let's Play stuff with the Soul series. Awesome. So, won't be too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, very cool. Like, the, uh, we're, we're big Dark Souls 2 champions on on this show, nice. um, despite, yeah. you know, a lot of those people. And I think mechanically, like, that is a that's a good idea because it is friendlier yeah. than the first one. Sure, um, sure. Yeah. You know, so you kind of ease yourself into the the water. You, like, walk slowly into the, the deep end as far as the... <laughs> I mean, it's not like Demon Souls is is an unplayable nightmare or anything like that, but there are sure. some kind of ease of use considerations that came into the series a little, a little bit later. Yeah, yeah that's so. what I've heard. And also... You know, just being somebody who really liked Bloodborne and, and totally got into it, even without having a history with the series, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm interested in all of them, basically. I'm kind of interested in, in seeing where all this amazing stuff kind of came from. So. Your experience will kind of mirror some of our some of our audience who kind of came into this with Bloodborne and, you know, found us and then are kind of going back into into Dark Souls and Demon Souls proper, nice. um, you know, as it goes along. So it, you're definitely not, um, you know, uh, alone in, the, in that path through the series. <laughs> alone in Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. That, that is like the worst personals section, like the, the alone in Yarnum. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you take off. Like, yeah. Will will not kill you. Yeah, Hargul misconnections. Oh, yeah. seriously? Yeah. yeah. It's like you, you were wearing cage on your head. Church <laughs> yeah. Me, one of many bodies in a casket. Yeah. <laughs> but I was still animated, and I looked around as you walked past. Oh my god. Wasn't wasn't animated until you walked by. That's right. Um, I, I only have eyes, so many, many yeah. eyes for you. Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. So, so what? Um, uh, cool. What, what did we cover last time? Well, previously. Or Mm -hmm. um, after learning the secret passwords uh, to the ancient gates inside of the Cathedral Ward, we passed through the snake-infested Forbidden Woods and slayed three Nazgul, which seemed odd, given that this is a different franchise than that. And now uh, we are on the threshold of Bergenworth College, but we have some cleaning up to do before summoning the Blood Moon itself. Yeah, and, and before we get into this, we, we brought this up a bunch on social media and we mentioned in the last episode, but this is where the gloves come off spoiler-wise. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, you know, talk about a lot of stuff. Like, we're not going to go into to everything that happens in the endgame, but anything that occurs <laughs> to us is is on the table now. Yeah. So this is cool. this is your warning. It's your one warning, everyone who's listening. Yes, I will sound um, the spoiler horn. <laughs> the spoiler horn. Spo spoiler <laughs> horn. Bye-bye, boy. Spoiler horn. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Where oh. are you from? Get it ready. I'm from Rhode Island. Yes, she oh, is. Beautiful <laughs> state. Yeah. <laughs> That's Cole with his classic Cincinnati accent. Yeah, my cl- <laughs> I'm not even I from Cincinnati. Yeah, Sounds was, a little bit like Rhode Island, you know, not far, not uh, far. The, the, the Cincinnati accent is exactly like standard Midwestern, except we say please instead of, I'm. Uh, excuse me? But I'm not even from Cincinnati. I'm, I am a I'm an interloper, so I'm sorry for saying that word. It, that it, way. it also was like a, a 20s gangster malls <laughs> accent more than anything. Like you sounded like Harley Quinn. Bats. Yeah. Oh boy, I've got I've got egg on my face. Uh, yeah. No. Um. Boy, that is a. I am not good at accents. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I feel like accents just happen sometimes, whether you mean them to or not. <laughs> Don't feel bad. People people get delighted when you do your Rhode Island accent, Daniel. They really like it. It's really funny to me because I, you know, I spent so many years trying not to speak like that. And then I started feeling like, whatever. <laughs> That's how I grew up. It's fine. You know, slip so. in and out. Language is about communication. That's right. Yeah. That's well, right. There's that point, like when you're when you're getting older, when you stop, uh, caring about like things like that like i've got a i've got a goofy name and when i was growing up i used to uh get teased about it and i used to be really embarrassed about it and as a man of carriage and and the fact that i have butter in my last name like that was the (laughs) that was a source of many a schoolyard jape and uh and then at a certain point i got older and i'm like no i'm kind of into it like i've got this really really weird name um no i mean it's not like weird yeah it's a good thing i i just think all distinctive things as long as they're not like you know hurting other people i think kind of all distinctive things are are kind of cool and that's what makes us all unique snowflakes and it's great (laughs) agreed (laughs) i forget what i was even saying when i misspoke so we're gonna talk about spoilers yeah (laughs) spoilers there we go so uh, talk about the part where the guy the the tall guy with the bag um (laughs) you know, kills you and drops you in another part of the game. <laughs> yeah, so this could have happened at any time, really, after you uh, go through Old Yarnum and kill the Bloodstarved Beast, these uh, these kind of eldritch-looking um, uh, tentacle monsters uh, will, uh, will appear in certain areas, and we've alluded to when they've popped up, but we've kind of avoided talking about the area they take you to, mostly because it's very difficult. Well, the, the, uh, so the, the tentacle monsters, they don't take you there unless you have that stone. You need to have the tonsil tonsil stone. Oh yes. But the the bagmen will take you to the jail. That that's what I mean. The, the they have yeah. tentacles kind of hanging from their faces, kind of like Cthulhu monsters a little bit. The the bagmen? Yeah. Do oh, I I read their silhouette differently or hmm. than I guess. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, but but yeah, we're, we're we're speaking about the same thing. The uh, the oh, bagmen okay. or the kidnappers or the snatchers. The uh, yeah. the wikis have yet to be unified on this matter. Then... Oh yes, actually, I should get my whatever 600 page bloodborne deluxe guide out pop that one open i have it open actually i can actually do that because i have it right here (laughs) go on go on i won't stop anything yeah but um you know also just kind of the difficulty of this this area along with kind of some of the lore implications make it more convenient for us to cover it closer to the spoiler uh, territory than you know further from it right like there are lots of things that make it not so great to do this right in the cathedral ward yeah yeah did did this happen to you danielle did you did you get sacked by one of these guys i did although yeah. i kind of knew it was coming so i had a little bit of sort of forewarning because i started my playthrough after i was kind of sort of watching two other people in their playthrough 
So I knew to avoid them until I was at least a little bit prepared for this. Mm-hmm. But the very first time I experienced it, and it was it was Phil playing, we thought we died, we were really freaking out, we were sad, <laughs> and then we didn't get the, you know, when the game first came out, like, 65-second loading screen. So we're like, okay, <laughs> all right, something else is going on here. Cool. <laughs> and it was kind of a pleasant surprise that, you know, something else was going on instead of just dying again. <laughs> Yeah, this is one of a couple of moments that just kind of blew the back of my head off a little bit in terms of like, oh boy, it's that it's that Super Mario Brothers three white block mystery of there's more going on here than you think, and when some enemies kill you, they take you to new areas, even if it's only just this one time. It immediately introduces the possibility that it could happen anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, well, the, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, mean, I, was, I was just gonna say that I was really surprised by it as well, but the weird thing is that it's precedented. Like something yep. like you getting killed and going to jail. I don't want to spoil too much for Daniel when you eventually play. It happens in an earlier entry in the series. Mm-hmm. I just it happens in a, such a different way yeah. that I, I totally wasn't expecting it. So. Yeah, it, I just thought it was really kind of cool. And also just <laughs> sort of the way this game sort of uses visual language is fascinating to me. Like the fact that there is a guy with a bag instead of having a weapon. Well, cer- <laughs> certainly he you know kicks you and, and does other terrible things to you, but. <laughs> Just the fact that that bag actually means something and it means something to the lore and it means something to sort of what's going on here in the broader sense is really kind of cool and something I really connected with sort of later on. It was one of the first indications to me that, you know, something else really is going on here after, I suppose, the celestial emissaries in the Forbidden Forest. Maybe that was the rudest awakening, but (laughs) this was another sort of really good sign that, yeah, there's there's something up. Yeah, (laughs) certainly. (laughs) Well, I mean, in a game where death is kind of the language of it a little bit, anything that kind of takes it and turns it to this degree uh, is definitely worth noticing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you, so you wake up in the, the uh, Hypogean j- uh, jail, mm-hmm. and uh, Hypogean means underground. Yes. Um, the underground jail. And so this place, you know, these these Snatcher guys are gathering people up from Yarnum and kidnapping them to this jail that is adjacent to this unseen village. Um, we know what what this village is and and who runs it, but you actually don't even find out when you when you get to it. Mm-hmm. You don't really find out until a little bit later. Um, so it's probably inappropriate to speak. Uh, you know the what specific branch of the the movers and shakers of <laughs> of Yarnum run yeah. this place. But uh, for now, it is just gobsmacking. Like it's like oh, like I, I just got serious um, like Gestapo kind of you <laughs> yeah. know vibes to it. Like oh mm-hmm. geez, like this is a gulag. This is like getting shipped off to Siberia. Yeah. Or something in this game. It's very much, um, you know, jail-like because it is a jail. But also you kind of see that there are these very successful escape attempts. Like most of the bars have been kind of like pried open as they as though they were made of rubber or aluminum. Yeah, yeah and it's, this... almost, it's almost indicating like you're kind of supposed to get out of here. <laughs> you're not supposed to go very far, but you're supposed to get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, or ju- or just disrepair, you know? Like, something that we run into all the time in these games are people going through, the, like, creatures going through the motions. Yeah. You know, like, yes. something that they used to do in life. And them bringing you back to the cell and not really realizing it's unlocked, they just kind of go through these mechanical motions of bringing people back without understanding the context why. Yeah, that's um, a really cool so. observation, actually. 
and makes a lot of sense again for what is going on here so yeah perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh what we know is there is somebody who needs lots and lots of bodies whether they are um in good repair or not whether they're whether or not they are in anguish maybe it helps if they are in, in anguish and in fact there's a note outside of your cell that says madmen toil surreptitiously in rituals to beckon the moon uncover their secrets as though to kind of like lay out this area's own little thesis right mm-hmm you know, it's yeah. a it's a mystery, at least as of right now, when we are encountering this for the first time. Yeah, yeah, and and as you're walking around this jail, this is legitimately creepy because there's no enemies at first, um, and if you head kind of further in, you run into an NPC, which I was not expecting. Um, <laughs> but this NPC is heralded by just weeping that you hear coming from this dark basement, which I was certain was going to be some kind of like monster you know, thing, partly because yeah. of my my when I made the connection with the earlier entry in the series. Yeah, which also features a maiden in a basement, um, of <laughs> sorts, that weeps when you when you get out. So I was just like, oh no, like this is, you know, I'm I'm gonna get fucked here. But in unf- you know, <laughs> luckily this is just a, this is a solid, solid character. This is Adela. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, solid. That's not the word I would use for her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I guess that, that is true. <laughs> true. She seems yeah, solid. I, yeah. I thought it was definitely going to be a, you know, first five minutes of Bioshock kind of thing where it's a lady <laughs> whipping and then, of course, she's got a machine gun. It's not a baby. Mm. <laughs> that sort of thing. And she ends up actually just being, <laughs> she'll only talk to you if you are in, I think, is it black church garb or white church garb? So only if you look like you are an upstanding member of the church yeah. yourself. Yeah. And then she obviously has a little bit of drama going on if you do decide to bring her back to the um, to the temple. Mm-hmm. So yeah, by this point in the game, you've re- you've realized that the that the church is part of the problem, if not the ultimate source of it. And so yeah. her her distinct alliance to it. In fact, I never really uncovered a way to engage with her in my first playthrough because I never really wore that armor. Um, and so the fact that she is, you know, so clearly loyal uh, to this organization, and even once she recognizes you as such, offers you an item that you know it's it's the madman's knowledge, which you are finding on all these corpses everywhere, and says, "Yes, you as a church member will love this." It really means that uh, you are kind of getting embedded with the enemy a little bit, depending on yeah. who you perceive the enemy to be. Yeah, just generally in this game, there are so few NPCs throughout the game, and all of them are kind of, I don't know, I think I only actually liked two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody else is is kind of a jerk or is kind of like so much in this world and unable to kind of, you know, think of anything beyond themselves that it's (laughs) kind of weird and, and kind of creepy. And also, I guess, a commentary on sort of what it is to be in this world. I guess nobody has time for caring about things outside of themselves other than our poor sparrow friend and um, <laughs> the other the other younger woman that you can interact with as well when i'm yeah. blanking on her name i apologize oh, um oh gosh uh ariana yes yeah. ariana, ariana. there's so so rarely like a point of view character in mm-hmm. these games like there's you're never going to run into somebody who's like this is weird isn't it you know <laughs> like, what is going on like that's never going to happen everybody is you know straight-faced yeah um, yeah. even if they are more likable. so And it seems that, like yeah. lucidity is just kind of co-concurrent with agenda because like I, oh, would, yeah. I would consider Alfred to be, a, to be a, a solid bro, but even he has his breaking point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and he's got his allegiances as well. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so we, we kind of continue to explore this place and we run into some interesting uh, kind of enemies and, and architecture yeah. um, here. Um, we're running into more and more of these kind of uh, peanut-headed statues, which somebody <laughs> pointed out to us on Facebook um, that resemble the the moral flower uh, mushroom. Yep. 
or morel oh yeah totally yeah. yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Which again, since it's fungus, I can feel super comfortable being upset by it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like okay, yeah, like that plays in. This is supposed to feel alien and just uh, just completely uh, just just non compatible with my own biology. Yeah, a, a new kind of corruption. Like the the Souls games do great jobs of of just really taking the the, the sense of corruption and exploring <laughs> it from every possible angle. Yeah, like. Um, and then part of it, the fact that these are statues also kind of bespeaks like another kind of corruption because this is the corruption of, I mean, as an internet atheist, I like to think that this is the kind of corruption that comes from religion. Nice. I just mean that it is, it is, a, it is like a thought process. You know, yeah. this is, these are things being worshipped. It's not mm-hmm. just like a disease. Yeah. You know, it's, it's getting people on their side. And that's just going to be a huge thing when we explore the rest of the city as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's your goal for you. Yeah, it's it's things that people sought to make more permanent than themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so as they go along, um, there there's a way to kind of go deeper into the prison and get to a boss. Uh, I don't want to go there just yet because there is more to this area. And you can get some very good and uh, some kind of revelatory items if you proceed upward instead to the statue of an old one with his uh, with his peanut slash moral head. Peanut moral is my favorite, <laughs> like early 1900s, like comic strip character. Oh, perfect! Yes, <laughs> yeah. he's, always getting, he's always getting into scrapes. <laughs> yeah, if he's a good Christian, he gets to kick the football. <laughs> yep. that's 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 the lesson that you learn. That's from what people. it is. Yeah. <laughs> the oddly spherical early nineteenth century football. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, underneath the statue is a, is a lamp, which reveals uh, kind of first. You know, this is your first real foray into the third tombstone in the dream, and also uh, the fact that this is part of the unseen village. Right. And something that's important to note about this, like when I was first brought here, I had no idea where this was geographically. I could have been taken across the country at this point. Like this could be straight up like uh, um, the painted world. Right. Well, yeah. And, yeah. And and that's really underlying the other way you can kind of get to this area, too, which we'll be mm-hmm. talking about later in the show when we talk about Bergenworth. Mm-hmm. Because the fact that you literally just teleport to this area, you know, <laughs> at this point, if you if you can get here, you're teleporting here. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to know how it connects to anything yeah. unless you fight your way back, <laughs> which is that that downward path we're not going to talk about just yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I love the Yahagul Chapel because it is this gigantic, you know, open space that is lined with grates and things like that. Like this is Silent Hill 3 as fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even the color palette. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was 100% yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, there's a, there, there are a couple of kidnappers in the middle along with uh, with uh, the moon rune, which increases your blood echo drops and just kind of confirms what you already know about the about the the uh, the old ones kind of willing to be of service to you in exchange for something that you can offer. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's also um, in this area nearby is when you start running into uh, the eye collector mm-hmm. enemy as oh, well yes. which is which is interesting because we you know we know a we would know an eye collector very well um <laughs> they should get together hang out because yeah. compare notes yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's just it's just kind of odd that this, it has that's more or less the same same creature which i i guess like adds a connection when we were searching for a connection between her and kind of the rest of the, mm-hmm. the game this would be a, a path that we didn't really explore 
I suppose. You know? So when we talked about Hemwick, we said like, oh, this is this is this village that's kind of like made up of outcasts trying to cargo cult their way into this many eyed enlightenment that Bergenworth offered. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because of these eye collectors and the, the, the faction that they are kind of associated with, it's it's entirely plausible that somebody defected and kind of set that up outside. Oh, sure. Yeah, and she she became the grand eye collector. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, and I hadn't actually sort of explored this myself, but, you know, do you think because she's kind of doing business or assuming doing business with the the folks at Bergenworth that, you know, that's why she gets (laughs) to be covered in eyes? You know, like, this is her prize, this is her status symbol almost in this world? Oh, that they, like, threw her a bone? Yeah, because they're all over her, kind (laughs) of. And, and you know, they're kind of like... I don't know. I mean, she's she's clearly covered in eyes. You know, mm-hmm. she's wearing eyes more than she's wearing anything else. So yeah. possibly, <laughs> you know, or maybe she's she's doing it as a fuck you. She's like, whatever. I'm gonna collect these eyes. I'll give you like half, and I'm gonna wear the rest. You know, like yeah, I'm doing it. You know, sisters doing it for themselves style, which you have like. <laughs> that's great I, I mean that that matches up with a little, little bit of my first read of the area was that hemwick as this you know kind of place that dead bodies went became kind of a harvesting ground for the school of mensis right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i mean it, it's still it's still pretty like that whole area is pretty open but i like mm-hmm. more or less all conjecture i've heard about the witch of hemwick just because it's such a compelling visual design that it almost <laughs> demands you know uh co- you know conjecture like it, it demands some kind of theory you know, without actually anything there, because because like there's a lady wearing an eye coat, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and it's coming not... out of her hands and, and yeah. all that good stuff. You know, she's can't ignore that. Yeah, she should just be called Eyeball Lady. I think yeah. you know she didn't need to be the Witch of Hemwick. Just Eyeball Lady is fine. <laughs> just call her Iris. Um, yeah, okay. Iris. Uh... <laughs> her theme songs by the Goo Goo Dolls. It's all good. I oh, love the I love the reveal of this first kind of just regular enemy eye collector as you're kind of walking towards the prison, which we'll we'll come to in greater detail later. But there's one that just kind of runs across your field of vision, mm-hmm. and then when you when you cross into the, the the larger room, there's one waiting in ambush by the corner. Like that is that is like a straight up alien scare. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, specifically on the other side. So if you go to follow the first one. Mm-hmm. You get eyeballs snatched in the back <laughs> with their crude hook like Im- implement. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was the, so the worst. She, I, she always annoyed me so much when that <laughs> happened. Cause it's just, you, you're so helpless for a little while and she's, she's not really a strong enemy by any means. She's just, she's just got you. She's got, you know, she's kind of doing one of those little sucker punch attacks basically. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, lady, yeah. you yeah. have <laughs> eyeballs. Okay. You have enough. You don't need mine. It's cool. Don't get greedy. The, yeah. Seriously. The, uh, we we talked about that. Like I don't, I'm not a big fan of grab attacks in this game in general because mm-hmm. of the yeah. the kind of the regain system. Like how you're supposed to be able to strike back and yeah. be aggressive. And if something just grabs you and just sucks health out, you know that's that doesn't seem to really work so much for me. Yes. But I like how they they suck out your take out your eye with a tool. So. <laughs> Especially but it's pretty gross and, and perfect for this game. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Um, if you proceed out the uh, the front door of this chapel, uh, you kind of get to the main street of Yahargul. And this, you know, if you have kind of a keen eye, you can see a little bit of some familiar architecture up in the skyline. Um, but there are some alleyways that you can go back to either encounter one of these wandering nightmares or uh, to unlock a shortcut that will be very, very useful later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because- yeah, because we we will be coming back here, and and you will be coming <laughs> back here, which is which is kind of interesting. Like we're we're talking about this before it changes, but we've talked yeah. about the different time zone changes, and uh, yeah. and we're coming up on the last one. <laughs> so, 
um, or I guess the last serious one. Yeah. The um, yeah. Um, one of the things that you can get when you're out here, and a couple things, it's worth exploring the street and getting here early because one, you get uh, one of the best damage runes in the game. Yep. Um, I think you get the it's like the plus, was it sixteen? Or something like that, like plus 16 or 17 percent damage. Hmm. It's pretty good. Or no, 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 I'm not. I'm thinking of something. I'm thinking of else. But it's like nine percent or something like that. It's like it's pretty good. Um, it's up against a wall to your left when you leave here. If you go all the way to the end. Hmm. Um, the other thing you can get is the uh, the ton- tonitress. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. This is th- this is kind of like the Drake sword a little bit. Um, <laughs> it is not as it is not as broken in terms of like oh if you learn to rely on this you will just be you know you're doing a disservice to yourself later on. Um, but um, but it definitely is like a a weapon that takes you up to this new plateau of being able to do damage to enemies. Um, if you come here later, like when you're acquired to by the story, um, this is replaced with a smaller hunter's tool version of the Tonatrus that does just an electricity based attack, um, and otherwise you have to defeat a very difficult boss in order to get it but this thing is just going to make very very quick work of a bunch of bosses so it's going to be uh worthwhile to at least do some suicide runs to get here to get this yeah yeah absolutely god the tonitrus i used throughout the entire game i used that in the sauce spear i believe (laughs) sort of in my two primary weapons that i kept leveled up all the way throughout the game and just i just loved it (laughs) <laughs> it's an attractive nuisance like i'm i'm kind of bummed out by the fact that it does so much damage because i feel <laughs> terrible doing something that's not optimal sure sure <laughs> you know oh, I and, understand. Yeah. and so every playthrough feels a little bit the same because i ultimately rest on that because i know it's going to give me the most advantage yeah, yeah it, the the difference is like other weapons will start showing their strength in move set yep. like things like that like you have to depending on how you're playing like the the tonitress will will definitely take you through playing the game like no problem um, it's just whether you like the move set. Like I end up using the Tantris, but I always end up having a longer weapon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. You know, just because because the range is not great, great on it. Um, and it also it, it really shines if you are like strength arcane. Um, if you start putting yes. points into arcane, it's really good. Um, even and the tiny Tantris, which we talked about, which one like I love the idea of a spell that just like the tiny <laughs> version. Like that's yeah. that's very cute. So great. <laughs> it's yeah. like the airport keychain version of the Tantris. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's the cutest cute. thing in all of Bloodborne is the tiny tonitress, <laughs> basically. I, I just I just did a quick like, you know, inventory in my head of other things in Bloodborne that could be described as cute. And I think that you're right. So this this tiny <laughs> oh, electro the messenger is, hats. Come on. Well the hats some, I guess, are cute. Yeah, the hats on the yeah, some of those. <laughs> it's cute insofar as wearing a hat is cute. But if you <laughs> put a, Gary, a tiny hat, come on. You put a <laughs> tiny hat on on one of these you know, these little like this monsters. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah there is, you go. It's le- less cute. Um, but man, if you put one of those tiny hats on the tiny tonitress. <laughs> oh my cute. gosh. Somebody yeah. make a meme oh, of that, please. Man, that, that would be, I want a mod for that. Oh, yeah. Um, weapon dress up. Um, what, what I was going to say is the tiny tonitress is a really bad, uh, spell too. Hmm. If you, uh, if, if you're going for an arcane build, yeah. it's, it's really good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but this uh, this item and anything associated with kind of bolt damage is related to Archibald, who uh, I believe was kind of associated with the early hunters of the church and just kind of the the, the, the surge of invention that happens along with it. Um, and he's kind of alluded to be kind of a Tesla figure within uh, within the history here and his fascination with uh, these dark beasts from Loran um, and the sparks that they could produce if they were allowed to mutate far enough. Yeah, I, I always thought of thought of his method as kind of the flip side to the uh, the powder keg. Mm-hmm. 
guys, you know, like they he was using kind of magic and they were using these mechanical kind of means, you know, gunpowder and, and the like yeah. to do great destruction. <laughs> um, down to the other side, like so the Tana is up a big long alley to a locked gate that we'll go through later. Um, and uh, d- down this other way is a uh, kind of a, another gate that has all of these corpses that carry Madman's knowledge. Um, kind of like clumped against it as though they were trying to escape and uh, died in vain um, against it. Yeah, that's where you get that really good rune I was mentioning. No. The there it way. is, yeah. <laughs> um, but we're not going to, you know, go, we can't really explore very much more of Yargul. No. I'm um, Yargul at this point. So um, we're going to head back down into the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, we already spoke a little bit about the eye collector. And so like beyond them is this big kind of like cell area that is filled with dining equipment, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of the most mysterious kind of uh, little areas at first, at least when you're first going there. Um, and, it, and it always begs the question like, oh, yeah, so what, what happened here? What's, what was going on? Was somebody trying to just enjoy some nice, nice dinner? Well, it, they, they went to dinner jail. Cheese. <laughs> if you don't finish your dinner, you don't get to, to escape the eyeball collector. Like it is. And then maybe that's what it was. They told like the, the children about it. It was real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, where, it's where they took all of the all of the uh, prisoners after Stockholm syndrome set in. Oh, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Right in there. <laughs> it's like, yeah, whatever you want. Come on. Um, and there are uh, kind of huntsmen of varying states of beastliness and transformation uh, down mm-hmm. here as you're as you're going through along with some kidnappers who are going to uh, kind of make this uh, section of tight quarters a little bit difficult to go through. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, eventually you make your way way past them either by running or uh, by confronting them because if you go here as soon as you can these mm-hmm. are all very difficult enemies yeah um but you can you can fight a boss mm-hmm. as you as you further go on you kind of go past um through this little outdoor area into this big courtyard that looks very much like a boss arena <laughs> and uh, and out comes dark beast parl Um, oh, which yes. I, man, do I wish he was Dark Beast Carl. Like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> like, hello. Well, he does kind of have a human face. You know, he, he might as well have a human name. He has like a human looking skull. And it, maybe that guy's name was Carl. You know, the donor, the I'm sure willing donor. Of, uh, <laughs> it's more Carl than man. <laughs> Carl the man. Well, he's Carl. So, so if you take the waveform of his roar and reverse it, it reveals that he's saying, oh, man, I got to go pick up my kids. That's yeah. what he is. He's yeah. like, I'm Carl. I got to kids. <laughs> yeah. Man. So misunderstood, this poor guy. Seriously. <laughs> man, he's just trying to he's just trying to protect his yard. You know, it's like Gran Torino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's going to go play a electrically, like a racist song on an electric piano instead yep. of a regular piano. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there you go. But his his he appearance just things to hit the keys. You know? <laughs> yeah. His uh, his appearance is uh, is incredibly unsettling. Like we alluded to his face, but he's got this human this human like skull um, atop this massive um, you know just kind of like super super lycanthrope form that is kind of electrocuted and made mu- made to appear much larger than it actually is by this super static electricity kind of fur that's affixing his skeletal frame mm-hmm. and he was a I think in the lore and I could be wrong but as I understood it he was an Archibald creation yes. basically he was experimenting with these things and he wanted it to be 
like a, one of the beasts of, of Loran, but with electricity. Mm-hmm. So it's almost, I don't know, I kind of took that as almost the game designers almost not poking fun, but kind of making commentary about making creatures. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't it be cool if it was like this, but with electricity? It was one of those <laughs> oh, yeah. moments. And entirely my own read and, and possibly completely just <laughs> me being a goof, but I, I kind of yeah. always liked that explanation a little yeah. bit. The, the the mortal version of creativity, which is to combine two unlike ideas. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like, if, what if the cast of Community were all dark beasts? And then they all, <laughs> we made it a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. It would make it even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so this fight kind of plays out like we've seen one of these in many of the Souls games. This is like Sif without honor, although not as dishonorable as uh, the the rat uh, the rat authority. Is that the one? Yeah, yeah. There we the go. Royal rat. Yes, there we yeah. go. Um, just uh, this uh, this is one of the few large quadruped. It's the only large quadruped boss in the game, right? Um. Yeah. I mean, you, I think you can make an argument for the one reborn. Like he uh, might be like a, a sextopad. Yeah, a centipede. Yeah. yeah, yeah, centipede. But it, it, it's well, kind of similar to this. Is the beast also kind of well? I guess he's, he's, he's not guilty. He's he's he, much more on the hind legs he, there. He, yeah, he spends most of his time reared back. Yeah, yeah. that's really true. He's a tiny boy. <laughs> yeah, he really is. <laughs> he's a real cutie. He's he's the new cutie. He's <laughs> <a> <laughs> with this tiny donatrice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's got one with a little hat on. <laughs> that was great. It's, <laughs> it's so disarming, by which I mean it makes you drop your weapon. Yeah. The, uh, so this guy is, this is weirdly like a, a real kind of standard Souls fight mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like there's not too much uh, trick to it. Like he gets, he recharges himself with electricity from time to time. Yep. And will shoot out electricity. Um, but you, it's just like a beast fight in this game. Like you damage his legs and it will stun him and you can get in visceral attacks and the like. Um, the, the hardest problem I had with this guy was with the camera. Yep. Like I mm-hmm. had a very hard time, you know, fighting this guy locked on and eventually figured out like, oh, I, you need to not lock on to him. And that's how you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I had I had a bit of an issue with him as well. I know his weakness is actually serration. And I sort of figured that out after dying a couple of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just... You know, the camera would do its own thing and have a mind of its own and freak out and that sort of yeah. thing, just like you, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, later on, I was like, man, I'm just going to kill it with fire and just kind of got my <laughs> fire paper on, got a lot of Molotovs, cut him up a lot. Um, but I kind of like this boss. It ended up being one of my favorite fights in the game, sort of as I look back on it, partially because the arena is, you know, it kind of invites you in. It's kind of like, this is a boss, you know it's a boss, <laughs> come on in. It looks so cool. Like, this is, I think, one of the coolest-looking enemies. Maybe it's because I, I subscribe to that school of design where, like, it looks like this, but it's even cooler. Uh, <laughs> and ended up being kind of fun to fight, yeah. uh, personally, for me. But, yeah. yeah. He, uh, when you talk about the design, the design like the this but cooler, um, an interesting piece of trivia about this guy is that he was, the visual design was done by, by Miyazaki, Mm-hmm. And, oh, nice. and he insisted that he remain in the game, um, which is part of the reason why he's not he's optional. And, sure. I, you know, or at least I think and he's guarding, you know, just like you don't really need to fight this guy. Um, sure. So he does feel even for all for all his qualities, he does feel like like kind of a side story. Yeah. And it was because he's there by directorial mandate. Yeah. Even just the idea that he is undead when the concept of the undead is really not brought in uh, many mm-hmm. places elsewhere in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's so, why I thought he was so much fun. <laughs> He's a little out of place. Yeah. You know? 
Something else is kind of cool. Like most of the other bosses, as you do more damage to them, they kind of pick up more steam as they go along. Mm-hmm. They either get more aggressive or unlock different kind of move sets. Whereas with this guy, uh, if you can, you know, keep the tide going in your direction you kind of can keep him disabled throughout the entire match like you keep him from uh from uh recharging himself or you know you keep him kind of staggered in order to open up visceral attacks like if you are super aggressive early on just like you super aggressive you can actually you know end this in very short order uh, Mm -hmm. just by not giving him a chance to recover yeah. yeah, and the reason why is that all of his individual parts also kind of have meters. So um, that, that's true of a lot of bosses in this game where if you attack one of their legs or arms, it can break mm-hmm. eventually. But his all of his legs will do that and his head will do that. So if you can just keep doing damage to one part, you're likely to stagger him at some point and you can kind of stack that. Um, it's kind of perverse for them to have him here right after they give you the tonitrus, <laughs> yeah. um, which is, you know, it's it's very obvious that it would not be useful. <laughs> but it took me a long time to figure out what would be what was necessarily useful yeah. against the you know against this guy, and uh, and I just ended up kind of brute forcing my way through it with my axe. I never ended up figuring out fire or serrated weapons on my first first playthrough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's straight up a beast. Yeah, he is a beast, but a lightning mm-hmm. beast. Yeah, <laughs> he's, thinking, he's not straight up a beast. No, I suppose uh, <laughs> he's a beast of the twist. Beast plus. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, the um the. What, so once you beat him, um, it kind of ties that geography together we were mentioning because he leads to Old Yarnum. <laughs> yep. Yes. So you are in the backyard of the place where you started. So and don't that, build a jail in my neighborhood. <laughs> that's right. I'll sign the petition. <laughs> Nimby. Um, no, but that, but, that, but that infinite potential distance that you could have been carried by these bagmen was collapsed in an instant by opening this door. Yeah. And and we, we mentioned it when we talked about Jura up in old Yarnum, but if you this is the path you can take to get to him without aggroing him so if you want to make friends with jura you have to come beat dark beast parl i ended up doing that on my (laughs) own first playthrough just because i knew i could do it at that point and i was kind of like no i just i want to see what he says you know this guy who's been shooting at me for how god knows how long (laughs) all that stuff i'm like no i just want to just want to be his buddy you know let's hang out yeah. And he ended up being kind of an, an okay guy. I guess he's kind of uh, my third NPC that I thought was all right. You know, <laughs> he ends up just being a really well-meaning animal lover, basically. Yeah. That's his deal. <laughs> his his friends sharp. are still dicks, though. So, like, he, he says, sure. like, you know, don't, you must vow not to fight the beast. And then the beast come up and they're just like, <laughs> I, I didn't vow shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, well, I'm going to eat your face. So yes. you might as well <laughs> put your sword up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that, that, that's kind of this area that we're going to handle now. We're going to go back to Yarhagul later in, a, in kind of a big, bad way. But first, we want to talk about something else that was another optional area we could have gone to, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Abandoned Old Workshop. So this is available right when you um, finish Old Yarnum and open up kind of this elevator through the chapel of Erden, uh, this uh, off to the right there as you spawn in from the lamp. Um, we could have gone here right away, but um, really, we wouldn't have had much to talk, talk about from a lore standpoint because of what <laughs> you find here, because uh, this is super, super significant. Yeah, it would have been Spoiler Town, USA. Um, <laughs> whenever we find one of these kind of secret areas, Danielle, did you did you stumble across this naturally, or did somebody I did. let you? Now it took oh my god, probably the most embarrassingly large amount of deaths <laughs> for me to do this properly. And I, you know, I, I even had like a YouTube going, you know, to try to <laughs> kind of get the right 
you know, because you to to find this, you have to fall in a very specific way, yeah. in you know, just sort of in a very specific path. And I just was not getting it for a long time. But eventually, I did, and I and my mind was a little bit blown. And of course, I <laughs> I saw it as well on the on the Let's Play, and I was just like, oh my god, what does this mean? And then you know, sort of thought more on it and appreciated the game even more for kind of having this here in the physical world as well as in the dream. Well, I guess. The dream and the physical world are not as separated as you think they are, but you know, yeah. Yeah. There's a there, there there's a little bit of inception going on. Yeah. 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 The uh, I I did not find I, somebody told me about this when I mm. I ended up asking um our friend uh Allison Baker um as I was preparing to beat the game and I knew I'd play through it again so I was just kind of like I just kind of would be done with it. Is there anything I really need to do? And she just asked if I had gone here and I saw the door but couldn't get to it and forgot about it. Yeah. Um, which happens to me from time to time um, <laughs> and ended up having to come back here. And it is a, a real like one. And I also I also had the the ridiculous number of embarrassing deaths. And this was back <laughs> with the 60, 60 second load times. Yeah. Um, oh, so God, I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I thought I was going to hate this area with a passion, but I ended up really liking it because this was when I was putting together kind of my thoughts on the lore and what I think was happening. And this filled in a lot of blanks, like because I came to it near the end of the game, I had a lot of missing puzzle pieces and it was interesting to get them out of sequence and just kind of get the middle of the song, you know, (laughs) after when it was almost over. Yeah. So what makes this worth dying for multiple times? um, (laughs) And this is a pro tip for anybody. If you are having trouble getting to this, that's actually easier to get to when the blood moon is out. Because uh, the oh, okay. because the, uh, the the tower that you have to, that you have to fall down after you go up through that elevator is a little bit uh, better lit um, under that <laughs> phase. Um, but um, you know you walk out and you see a very familiar sight because this is actually the physical place that served as the basis for the hunter's dream. Yeah, which is just was just so weird <laughs> to me. Like that yeah. is just like that's one of those moments, like those Souls game moments. That I was just like. This is this changes a lot, you know. This is <laughs> this is a big deal, um, and and there's no there's nobody's here. What we get that's information from this is based on just description, item description, and things we find here, um, all of which are important. Like everything you can pick up here is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I when I first sort of stumbled onto this, I I just had this weird uncanny feeling of. I don't know. It's it's like I'm not supposed to be here or something. <laughs> not that you don't feel that way otherwise in Bloodborne, certainly, yeah. but but because there's no enemies, perhaps it's the it's this weird, quiet kind of eerie stillness where it's like, I really, I really shouldn't be here. I I almost felt like I was looking through something private in some way, and maybe that's because it had all the dolls, things mm-hmm. in it, yeah. and and all these sort of clues about her and 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 you know sort of that whole aspect of it. But it was maybe one of the more unsettling feelings for me in this entire game and i thought that was really cool it's existentially forbidding instead of being like physically or violently forbidding right like yeah you know like like what if you just kind of like you were going over to some place and you walked in and you realized it was a replica of your home you would would feel you would feel both this kind of simultaneous sense of recognition and also just like oh i don't belong here this isn't yeah. this isn't mine but it's but it's way too close for comfort i think the closest point of reference would be when wayne and garth walked into the walked into rob's rob Lowe's studio <laughs> that was that, that was a copy of his basement the, the oh god the, yeah the feeling you're talking about the time that happens all the time is in dreams mm-hmm. 
Like the, yes. the time that constantly happens when you're like, I was in my house, but it wasn't my house. Mm -hmm. And there was is, a door is, that opened up to this big wide wing of my apartment that I never saw before. Yeah, that's every single dream story starts like that. <laughs> like you were you, but you weren't you. It was this place, but it wasn't this place. Mm -hmm. And this this part of the game is trafficking in that. Um, totally. you know, I think really intentionally. Um, it's also uh, the other kind of side to it, the mindfuckery of it, is that this is um, it hasn't been since Demon Souls that these games have done something to really fuck with your home base um, and subvert sure. this feeling of safety because these games always have like a relaxing music zone where, you, where you're safe. Um, and, and not since the first one in the series have they done anything with that. You know, like you never go back to, to Majula to find it, you know, having been taken over. Yeah. And you never go back to fire. I mean, they do I mean, something like, a little like bit track and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, with you know that kind of thing. But they, they do that here too, I guess, in this game. But this just felt like they were playing with it, that idea. Yeah, like the safety that you feel going back to the hunter's dream. They're specifically leveraging that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it's pretty area. brilliant actually the way they do that. <laughs> kind of a masterstroke there. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really really cool. And like we're entering into the part of the game now where like I've. From here on in, there are a couple like gameplay problems I have, but so many things happen where I'm just like, this is just really cool, though. Uh, yes. Like, this is really impressive. Um, oh yeah. yeah, I was I was yeah. totally on board with the, you know, the little bit of hoodwinking that it's like, oh, this is a game about fighting werewolves too. This is a game about, you know, like yeah. Cthulhu, you know, elder gods crazy crazy shit is going on here and like there's actually reasoning and, and sort of like you know motivation for every single insane thing that you see in this and i just kind of was like oh yes oh give me more this is great yeah it was i mean I, I've, I've said this before but like um i'm a i obviously like souls a lot you know we do this podcast and everything um but i'm also a big lovecraft fan and i went in this game more or less blind i'd only watched the the first trailer and i was like oh it's that werewolf game that from software is making i'm sure it'll be good and then just danielle imagine my delight of just being <laughs> like oh it's not this kind of you know boring werewolf story it's actually your absolute favorite kind of horror story done by your favorite game creator oh it's amazing uh, yeah i was really special um, and, and even for me like you know I, I i i didn't come to this kind of this kind of narrative through lovecraft primarily primarily but i kind of like diagonally got into it through you know psychological horror games silent hill sure. the notion yeah. of kind of just this uh the, these dream locations and nightmare logic and things like that this jacob's ladder adrian lynn kind of thing and so to kind of diagonally come into that same feeling you're feeling gary like, yeah and uh, that, that was a gift yeah the, oh, that's so awesome. Where in the game, I you may have covered this already, I apologize, but where in the game did you start to kind of realize, like, oh, the jig is up? Like, that's what this, this game is. <laughs> I, I got um, the fir very first inklings were when I got grabbed by the invisible uh, amygdalas, which sure. we'll talk about at the end of the episode. So it is kind of a spoiler, but we're going to talk about okay. it in yeah, sure, 25 sure. minutes. Mm -hmm. But um, I got grabbed <laughs> by those things. And I actually, before I went to, uh, I went to the... Uh, with the tonsil stone and got grabbed by the amygdala that you can survive and get teleported to a dream realm um, oh, nice. relatively yeah. early on. Um, I didn't spend very much time there, but there is, it's like, Oh, I'm in a nightmare. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, I know dreams have to do with this. Um, but it, similarly to, to you, um, a lot of it was in the forbidden woods, uh, finding the celestial emissaries and going in the back door of Yosefka's clinic. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of finding the alien autopsies and the like. Oh God. 
That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was just getting excited even thinking about it. Like that was such a just a great, great feeling. It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. And mine's very similar. The uh, when, when you go to the, uh, to the to the lecture hall is where it really kind of just like was confirmed, right? Because so much feels like a feels like a like a supposition or speculation mm. until sure. you get something that's like directly on the page. Like the fact that the, the, that it's called the hunter's dream and there's some dialogue around it. Who knows what that what, what that could actually mean? Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so just onto the kind of stuff that we find here, just because of the lore implications to it um so you know you find uh, the doll's clothing which this is this person who's been leveling you up in the dream um <laughs> and is sort of this kind of companion um you know and it has this idea that you know it was made with this, uh, the descriptions of the quality borderlines on mania and it exudes a slight warmth mm. um, he loves a deep love and craftsmanship mm-hmm. um so hmm and then yeah. you uh you also find this hair ornament that that's kind of important that Seems like it could belong to that. In fact, it says like would look good with gray hair, with <laughs> a, with a nice sheaf of gray hair. <laughs> Who do you know who has gray hair? Hint, hint. Yeah, German. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, hey. Yeah, <laughs> the, you know uh, he would look good with that, wouldn't he? Just if he just kind of like took that took that hat off. Yeah, yeah. Do he, something with it. You know, he's a good looking guy. Do, I can see, style it up. We could we could be dazzle German all night. Like we, <laughs> That's right. We, like, we, I, I feel like we could give German a, a bloodborne makeover. Um, <laughs> most yeah. import- the most importantly, the thing you find here, this is the first time you're going to find a third, uh, one third umbilical cord. Yeah. Um, so these these items are hugely important. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes. So cool, cool. Do you want to read this description? <laughs> yes, yes, I will. Um, every great one loses its child and then yearns for a surrogate. The third umbilical cord precipitated the encounter with the pale moon, which beckoned the hunters and conceived the hunter's dream. Mm. Hmm. So yeah. that that is a huge piece of the puzzle, mm-hmm. you know, right there. Like when do you start getting this this whole idea of these great ones who are yearning for for an infant surrogate mm-hmm. is going to be what this game is about yes you know we 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 started out thinking werewolves and curse in the whole middle section you're like okay it's about this schism with the church and the college you know and that's it's still those are still primary players but the bigger more cosmic forces is this idea Mm -hmm. of of the the great ones having a a baby through through a mortal Mm -hmm. you know like through a surrogate yeah. And and that's what's going to lead us to the end game and what we're going to be playing with in the end of the game. Yeah. It is it is this contact, you know, so far it's been communion, us taking something from them and then it becomes kind of them taking something from us and something that they desire and need and just kind of the fact that this loss kind of both goes both ways. Yes. And as soon as you find this umbilical cord, you should eat it. <laughs> just, just mow down. Yeah, it, delicious. As if, you, yeah, as, as if you hadn't already done that, just out of instinct, um, finding a stray umbilical cord. But it is it is a good good move to eat these bad boys when you run into them. Um, they just uh, snack it up. You, you get three insight for doing it because one of the later ones we run into because there's multiple ones of these, and they all have different um, descriptions as well. Yeah, even though they they kind of try to troll you because the beginning of each description is the same. <laughs> so if you're just kind yeah. of glancing through. Um, but it says, or it might be on each of them at the end, it says something about growing eyes, um, yeah. for eating them. Um, and it says like, whatever that means. Yeah. And it turns out it's going to be important. Yeah. Um, so you want, you want eyes. Yep. So yeah, you're going to be on the lookout for these. You want three of them as the, uh, item name, uh, explains and we'll cover where you can find all of them, but this is a good candidate for being the first one you'll come across naturally. Yeah. 
And and the game gives you a little bit of leeway. There are four of them total in the game. Mm-hmm. So if you <laughs> screw yourself out of one, you're not dead. But if you screw yourself, not dead. But if you screw <laughs> yourself out of two, then you've locked yourself out of some content. Um, the other item you can find here, as we alluded to, was the small hair ornament, and this kind of initiates a new interaction with the uh, with the doll, who we haven't really talked about in a while. There's some minor new dialogue you can get with her, kind of talking mm-hmm. about, you know, just kind of the nature of what, what does it mean to be made by something, or in the image of something, and what purpose are you made for, right? Like, I love you, but that is the reason that I was made. What about you? Or something like that. Yeah. 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 Which is very, I mean, that kind of taps directly into the whole religious aspect of this game or, mm. or questioning religions, that kind of thing. The sort of, I mean, I, I kind of saw this as almost like, you know, a few years ago, they found the God gene. In, in real <laughs> life, they found a gene that correlates with, you know, belief in God. And, and yeah. that's just kind of a human trait, so on and so forth throughout the years. And that almost said to me kind of like, wow. Are you, are you trying to say something about religion here, Bloodborne? Is that, <laughs> that where we're going? Making things in our image, huh? Maybe. Is it a game about elder gods? Yeah. Well, the, and, and and humans trying to make themselves in God's images. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is which we're going to deal with here in just a moment. Um, like or just uh, you know twenty minutes or so. But like that is that is definitely theming that is that is going on. It is one of the when I first had this dialogue from her, I didn't really see how it fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, with that because I hadn't put together some of this later stuff. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, so th- this is this is one of those um, her her character and her role in all of this didn't really even become like a theory until I saw saw the ending that I saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And kind of her her part parts in the in the different endings. Mm-hmm. Um, so which I mean, which we'll talk about in like January, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like probably. Nice. But the, uh, so it's going to be a little while before we get there. But like the. Uh, I didn't really put her dialogue here together with the grand theme, but it definitely fits. It just took a while to find it. Even on its own, the idea of this kind of construct, this automaton who has what appears to be, you know, just conscience, right? And kind of questioning and uh, just like that. Like, this seems almost, you know, like it's a little bit of a smokescreen. Like, it feels like tropish, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, why was I made? What am I? Like, I look at my hands and they're monstrous and mechanical. (laughs) Like, what purpose do I serve, et cetera, et cetera. But it it actually goes much deeper than just kind of that paperback reading, right? Yeah, absolutely. Data does it constantly. (laughs) Yeah, he sure does. It's the data plot. (laughs) So, like, if you like data. (laughs) Well, that and fighting Moriarty. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those things. I mean, so she is data. Who's Picard in this? I guess... I guess the hunter is. Huh? Uh, yeah, the, the yeah the hunter would be Picard, but let's yeah. uh because you're you're like in the central role, you know, mm-hmm. like you're yeah. you know the active one yeah. in your chair saying engage, and you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't I'm, know. I'm gonna give give Miko Lash Q. Mm, yeah. Um, oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, majestic. I would I would I would call uh, I would call the hunter or or Garman, rather Moriarty because he oh, ex- yeah. he, he exists solely in opposition. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't know it the first time you see it either. <laughs> yep. So, you know, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah, you don't know he can get loose. <sighs> yep. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. God, the, like the holodeck, do you, do you think that <laughs> it provided more terror or more joy over the course of like people who live on the Enterprise? Because oh my it God. happened at, you know, once a year, the holodeck would become sentient and start trying to kill everyone on the Enterprise. Like it was a really, really steady threat. And all they used used it for was pleasure for pleasure were like 
tap dancing stages <laughs> and, and like totally forest and stuff like well they it, used you know, it for other things on voyager i guess but then they were a little more desperate for entertainment in voyager yeah. i suppose yeah. they were a little further out you know they couldn't all uh just meet other humans and have parties yeah. the way that they did in the next generation yeah all the time they spent 10 forward <laughs> It is. Uh, I, I talked about it, but I did a, a Star Trek Next Generation murder mystery game for my, oh my, my game retreat this year. And it is it is real goofy. All of the 10 forward <laughs> dinner parties and stuff that they're having. Like there, there's a lot of dialogue and it's where like you get a little cute or a little clue packet. And it's like, as Guinan, you know, that William Riker wasn't at Worf's, uh, you know, poker game and dinner party the other night. And, <laughs> That's so perfect. I, I would do I would really enjoy playing something like that because that would be right up my nerd alley. I think it's so good. It's pretty good. It's and it's actually and and it's looking for a good home. Like it's pretty funny, but I can't play it again. So mm-hmm. the uh, maybe I'll I'll send it send it your way. It oh is, my god, that'd be amazing. Pretty funny. That'd be so. incredible. And I just thought of another really. I mean, the easiest other analog, of course, for the doctor is Yosefka. Yep. And Pulaski. Oh, sure. Is yeah. <laughs> Yosefka's imposter? <laughs> <laughs> and that little that little celestial emissary is Will. Yeah, he's, he's just yeah. wobbling it's around perfect. the. the it's base. perfect. <laughs> and um, if you if you don't okay, kill sorry. me, sorry. <laughs> no, no, probably derailed us. We 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 made a a moderately sized group of people very happy with that. <laughs> So, <laughs> and hopefully, a, a moderately sized people group of people not that furious. I don't think they won't be furious. I'm just, no, no one will be mad. No. <laughs> yeah, so let's uh, suck down a Bergen Werther's original here. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, there is a grandpa involved. Yeah, yeah. The um, so Bergenworth, this is where you'd actually go after you f- defeat the Shadows of Yarnum if you didn't uh, do the Zol side paths mm-hmm. we talked about. Yep, it uh, it extends beyond the Forbidden Grave where you fought the Shadows of Yarnum through this awesome little alley, uh, this tightly arranged uh, copse of trees. Uh, which uh, if you're not paying attention, if you're walking down it very quickly, then you know they will you know just munch on your brains or give you yeah. frenzy. <laughs> yes, is this the Garden of Eyes? Yep. Which that's an evocative name. Um, the uh, the wiki calls these uh, Migo, mm-hmm. which is a Lovecraft monster that they very much recall. Like mm. these these things are Migo. That's what Migo looked like. Yep. Sure. Um, they, they have twenty seven eyes. It's worth it to let yourself die to one so it can claim your uh, your blood echoes, so you can see it glow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That it looks so cool when that happens, and I didn't <laughs> notice it the first couple of times either. And then I was like, well, that looks different. <laughs> a little purplish glow, kind of. It. Yeah, it, the, the, these things these things are pretty great. Um, they're really quick and aggressive. Like they just yeah. try to jump on you and hit you. Like they're not actually that tough. They're just aggressive. Yeah, yeah. they're like uh, they're like dragoons from Final oh, Fantasy. Yeah. They will they will jump up and you have to you have to be very shrewd with your with your roll timing, or else they're going to hop on you and give you frenzy. This is the second time in the game we have encountered frenzy beyond the crucifix wielding uh, church uh, uh, servants, as they were. Um, and uh, yeah, this is where I first kind of noticed the high pitched hum that is mm. uh, that is invoked when you get frenzy, which is the sound of your blood moving faster through your ears. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, do, do you have any, we, we've talked about Frenzy a lot on the show. Do you have any strong feelings one way or another about Frenzy, Danielle? Well, I certainly a... didn't understand it the first way through <laughs> the game. <laughs> you know, I kind of just knew that, hey, it supposedly makes some things more difficult. And it certainly makes 
eyeballs visible in a lot more places. <laughs> and I started noticing that sort of stuff. Um, I think my only really strong feelings about Frenzy were frustration in later areas of the game, um, sort of right before uh, Murgo's wet nurse, uh, when there are the, oh God, what are they called? The They're not gardens, but they're flowers, of night flowers or something like that, dream flowers, the... The enemies yeah. that kind of just look like it's, walking bushes. Yeah, it's like, like winter, yeah, like winter's something. <laughs> That's lantern. what it is. Yeah, winter lantern. Winter yeah. lanterns. I don't know why I thought it was <laughs> what I just said, but yeah. It's, it's sim- that, that's similar to another name of an enemy we're going to see her very soon. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I got frustrated a few times at those because I felt like I didn't, I couldn't really heal quickly enough to not die from the frenzy kind of overload. And then I sort of figured things out, you know, how to... Um, take your sedatives and so on and so forth. Um, I think it's a cool system that I, I certainly want to know more about and more about how it's actually implemented. Cause I don't think I quite ever fully grasped how it worked yeah. when I was playing the game. Yeah. The, the, the insight there, the relationship is, is interesting because insight, which is kind of the one part of it, I think is really cool where you yeah. start seeing the eyes everywhere and everything, but it makes you more susceptible to the status effect that, just feels really, really brutal to me. Yeah, it just um, kind of kills you. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, and you're going to run into a bunch of these guys here. So these guys are kind of milling about the the college grounds um, here. There's a blood uh, one of those brain sucker monsters oh, yeah. as well. He used to call them Robin Cthulhuman, I think, was my <laughs> official name that I made up for it when I had no idea what the actual names for things were. Yeah. yeah. The, that, uh, that was a long stretch of time when we didn't know when it, what, what anything was called. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I kind of yeah. dug making up my own really ridiculous names for everything. <laughs> it's it's hard to give them up. I, I still call um the uh, the brutes brick trolls. Yeah, I call like them nice. early material. Yeah, well, that's yeah. good. I call them brick yeah. brutes. Yeah, yeah, brick brutes. Yeah. So you, so you got foot in each pond, do you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're called minions in canon, which just seems it does. I mean, like minions, I associate with you know racist aunts, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, nice, yeah, but uh, but brickery, it, it feels it feels more appropriate. Yeah, yeah. he's got a brick, like it's <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah. Come on, um, the so you kind of make your way through here. There's not too much to this outdoor area. No, um, here. Um, you get a, uh, this, a lake rune, another one. And again, we talked about these lake runes that talk about how huge bodies of water act as shields to uh, those who sleep, yeah. um, which again is that's, that's the Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you can kind of continue on. You get down to this waterfront here on this mm-hmm. beautiful college campus. Yeah. And you run into an enemy that's very, very striking if we hadn't already seen him <laughs> in, uh, in Chalice Dungeons. Let's pretend this is the first time we've seen one of these, actually, because, uh, because I want to talk, talk about them anew. Because I know that there are people who, just like they ignore the Chalice Dungeons, probably ignored that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, so the, these are these gigantic, uh, glowing, beautiful centipede <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Or some flower. <laughs> and they've got this uh this gigantic glowing blue flower lure um at the top of them and this kind of like running seam of teeth down the front of them. Mm-hmm. And when we when we say massive, they're like massive, like they're they are a story tall. Yeah, it's taller than the building, I think. Mm-hmm. It's kind of leaning on a little bit. I and that was the first time I saw it was in this area <laughs> of the game. And uh, this area of the game we went to Phil and I in our playthrough right after defeating the shadows. Yeah. So mm. we were mm-hmm. we were still totally steeped in okay, 
<laughs> nightmare creatures. You know, there were definitely the, the dudes with exploding snakes. So things were starting to sort of, uh, you know, come around to this is not a game about werewolves. <laughs> but we were really kind of spellbound. I think we started seeing the creatures in this area and sort of this set piece in general, just with the moon yeah. kind of over yeah. the lake and this sort of beautiful haunted looking old building and <laughs> you know the sort of like harry potter looking <laughs> ancient <laughs> campus you know that sort of vibe was going on uh it was it was really really striking when we first came to this area i think yeah. correct me if i'm wrong but this is the only time that you encounter the fluorescent flower um in the main game right yeah yep. this is one right. of a kind yeah 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 and he does not drop um arcane haze like all of them do in chalice dungeons <laughs> Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a set drop in the chalice dungeon, but this one does not. Yeah. So like it kind of begs the question, like what this guy's doing here. <laughs> um, we yeah. you know we we know what the gardens of eyes are. Yeah. You know, and we we know who the boss of this area is. This thing, I mean, if it's just uh, here because of the relationship, you know, just the college investigating the chalices. Yeah. And has brought this as kind of a school mascot. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the fighting is. flowers. Yeah, <laughs> fighting flowers. The Bergenworth fighting flowers. There you go. <laughs> the Bergenworth begonias. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's sort of a other than the uh, Cthulhu. Sorry, the bloodsucker. <laughs> Wait for a minute. I love my name. Um, aside from from that creature, pretty much everything you fight in the outdoors, at least, uh, including Rom, are insects. Mm -hmm. or, or, okay, it's an arachnid, I know, but they're in <laughs> insect-like creatures. Yeah. You know, the Garden of um, Garden of Eyes looks like a giant fly, a brundle fly or something, basically. <laughs> and then there's, you know, sort of this giant other insect. And then there's Rom, who's a giant arachnid with other giant uh, arachnids. So it seems like there's something going on with insect-like enemies in this area. And I, don't, mm -hmm. I can't think of any other area in the game that only kind of has one general type of enemy at least at least in this particular section i know once you go inside there's a hunter to fight but. yeah i yeah. mean like you know if you're, if you're thinking about how much they value eyes like insects insects or or, or or and arachnids rather are are a good place to go for more eyes like this is this is still like for 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 the fact that it's a college and for how arcane everything is it's still roughly animistic right yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense <laughs> um i like yeah. <laughs> After you eventually surpass this guy, this area also, like, we keep talking about unnecessary shortcuts in, uh, in Bloodborne. This has two shortcuts, neither of which do you really need. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> the, uh, but you can, uh, you, you, you open the shortcut and you actually go into the college, and the college is really empty. Yeah. Um, the actual indoor, this is one of my favorite locations in the game, mm -hmm. uh, the inside of this. And this, so it so, feels so different from Souls games. Like, and the uh, and again, just explicitly Lovecraftian, in that you're in a place of learning. Like you talked about the lecture hall earlier. Like the idea of horror mixed with education or with high culture, yes, um, is really appealing to me. Um, and you only get a like a tiny taste of that in the previous games in the series. It's the reason yeah. why um, Aldia's Keep like appealed to me so much. Yeah, or the Duke's uh, the, the Duke's archives. Yeah, yeah. In the earlier games, like I was just like, oh, that that's. That appeals to what I think of when I think of horror is this idea of understanding mm -hmm. um, being hand in hand with horror and uh, being in this place full. Like it's it's just perfect. Like it is just, <laughs> yeah. you know, books and everything and then jars on the ground that you that just look like science jars. And then you roll out of them and they're all full of eyes. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> which is a wonderful contrast because, you know, you probably just recently went to Hemwick and thought, wow, how primitive that they were just gathering all these eyes and they're laying around on these torture implements, et cetera, et cetera. And then this place that is the the bastion of high learning is similarly just hoarding these orbs. <laughs> orb exactly. Orders. Yeah, exactly. It is this idea of, a, you know, subverting your expectations. Like you expect this weird, you know, hillbilly village in the middle of the woods to be full of like <laughs> you know deliverance monsters like it is it is going to be it is you know you, these are these are low people this is the highest like these are the most educated people in the land like this is you know an institution of learning and they're doing the same thing they're just dressing it up differently oh yeah and that's so good <laughs> yeah there's so. there's a lot to that and i think that's Again, I you know, you're saying this is one of your favorite areas. This is one probably my favorite interior in the entire game, other yeah. than possibly the library in Castle Canehurst, which again, another <laughs> sort of place of learning, another place yeah. of knowledge yeah. where a lot of freaky deaky things are happening. <laughs> um Canehurst ain't nothing to fuck with in general. No. Oh, like, yeah, Canehurst no. is pretty rad. All over oh, there, so. It's probably my favorite single port of the world is Canehurst. If I had a if I had a gun to my head, or if I had a, a you know serrated implement to my head, I would <laughs> probably say that for sure. But Bergenworth is just oozing with with detail, yeah. and maybe that's part of what I like so much about it. There's mm-hmm. all these details that you can never quite look at. There's all these books, but you can't, you know, you, they're not individually modeled. You can't actually just look <laughs> at them, but you want to. You yeah. know, it's the sense of like I want to know all of these things, and that's exactly the instinct wanting to know all the things that drove these people completely mad and <laughs> unleashed all this horror into the world. It is a, it's a place where we talked a lot about the kind of the clutter of, of PlayStation four games specifically yeah. at least in our experience and, and this generation. And, and we talked about it really negatively in terms of uh, dark or Arkham Knight um, sure. and a little yeah. bit in, in terms of, of Bloodborne. Like there is a little bit of just kind of busyness and some of the designs that I don't feel like is additive. Sometimes here's somewhere where I f- feel like it works completely yeah. like a cluttered yeah. desk in a place of learning like that makes sense to me and says a lot it doesn't feel superfluous it doesn't feel like doing something because they can yeah it doesn't get in the way yeah like as opposed to like having the sixth or seventh stacked up coffin (laughs) or sixth or seventh stacked up you know statue (laughs) might like this just feels like it's saying something yeah yeah absolutely I mean, it's probably worth saying, too, that you're not really finding anybody who is associated with the College of Bergenworth here. Mm. Yeah, not on the inside. And and not, uh, well, I mean, and, and who you do find inside <laughs> is also telling. It's um, yeah. it's a hunter. Yuri, yep. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yuri, the last scholar, who is actually a woman who was sent uh, from the uh, from the church to gather um, to to gather Willem's kind of like last papers. Right. And this is a very difficult fight. Oh, mm-hmm. see, yeah, absolutely. I, I ate it so many times in this fight. I almost stopped playing the game. Actually, this was so frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was definitely her um, auger of Abritus, I think the yep. tentacle attack that <laughs> she just would spam on me, and I would fall down the stairs. Oh my god, it was just. It was yeah. like yes. <laughs> she has something very overpowered and very uh, just kind of designed to thwart you uh, for every distance that you can engage yes. her at. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the fact that she's using these spells is, is noteworthy because this is when you're first running into these spells. Mm-hmm. Like these are the aggressive spells in the game that all have this touch of cosmic horror to them. Like this is the, you know, that, that auger. And then also this call, uh, call from beyond, which is the most powerful spell in the game that takes like 65 arcane to cast. Like <laughs> it's unreasonable to be fighting somebody with a spell at this point. Yeah. Um, also, you know, uh, what, what's our, Yosefka? 
mm-hmm. imposter yourself had it as oh, well yeah yep um the uh so she, you know at this point like that will probably one shot you yep if you get hit and one of the things i end up liking about this fight though is that the area is relatively small like i mean the entire area all of bergenworth and it's fairly easy to clear so like if you treat this fight and think of the entire college as the battleground for it, <laughs> mm-hmm. it works really well. Yeah. Like you have to like kind of take cover. You have to set up ambushes, you know, as, as Yuri chases you, you know, around corners and charge attacks to hit sure. her as she comes around the corner, things like that. Like it ended up being one of my favorite hunter fights in the game after dying, yeah. like, you know, my dozens of times <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Sure, sure. Um, a German spy, YouTube user, he confirmed that uh, um, Yuri has maxed out stats. Oh, and that's, wow. a, that's a big reason for why she is uh, as difficult as she is. It's, uh, it's numbers. Yeah. She's tough. Yeah. Um, one of the things, this is a place is fairly rich in direct lore notes. Mm-hmm. So you're not reading from my own descriptions. They're just those little sparklies, um, either <laughs> bookshelves or uh, on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, you find uh, one of them, it says, uh, when the red moon hangs low, the line between man and beast is blurred, mm-hmm. and when the great ones descend, a womb will be blessed with child. So we've seen a lot of the of the first part. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're about to see a lot of the second part. Yeah, Absolutely. especially if we actually went to uh, the areas previous to this and got the uh, the umbilical cord yeah. and knew that a great man, great one seeks a surrogate child. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, at this point in the hypothetical playthrough that y'all are doing with this podcast, have you seen Yosefka, or sorry, Imposter Yosefka yet at this point? We have, but we haven't concluded her story, so we don't okay, know the cool. state that she ends up in. Cool. No problem. Just wanted to check, Just wanted to check in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I ended up doing that as well while I was sort of in the forest, so I... Yeah. I, it really helped to kind of know uh, <laughs> sort of what, what things were going on from the other two playing the game. Yeah. Uh, for me in my own playthrough. Uh, I just <laughs> want to make one quick note on the on the fight here as well. Okay. I came through this really funky and weird re- realization as I was playing this game. I got better at this game. Uh, I, I box as, you know, just as an amateur, like just for fun and yeah. shits and giggles and so on and so forth. I got so much better at this game when I started thinking thinking of it the same way I thought of a boxing match in terms of where I need to be spaced for an opponent, where I need to, what my my reach is, things like that. And I certainly use sort of uh, stubbier weapons. You know, I'm I'm really short in real life, and I don't have a very long range for my punches. So I actually started playing this game as if I were physically boxing in it, which I know is a very mm-hmm. weird comparison. But this fight, I think, got me so hard because it's not a level playing field. You're right. literally, like, there is that sort of, uh, you know, staircase kind of separating the two planes and everything. And I think that really messed me up because I was like, there's mm-hmm. n- there's none of that in a boxing ring. <laughs> you know, I mean, certainly there, <laughs> there's no monsters with tentacles trying to kill me in a boxing ring either. So perhaps not the greatest one-to-one. But I, I noticed kind of when there were fights that were kind of on more than one plane, that messed me up. And the Father Gascoigne fight was the same story. Mm-hmm. That one messed me up badly also because of the obstacles. Uh, in the way, you know, all the gravestones and things. I got caught on them all the time, and I was like, okay, I need to actually uh, rethink this, but um, just a weird kind of funny note that I'm not sure how many people experience something like that, but it's it's kind of interesting. It's kind of weird because people say well, if you're playing fighting games, you should never look at your character. You should look at the who, who you're playing. 
right? Sure. Like yeah. that is the, you know, the, 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 that's one of the key strategies to win. But in games like this, especially where the, de- the, the design so often is pitting you against both the environment and the enemy. Yes. If you're, if you're approaching it like this adversarial, adversarial thing just between you and who you're directly fighting, I, I could totally see how the way that you fit that in your head would kind of like work against you, especially if you're, if you're conceptualizing it in a, in a, in a way that doesn't, that doesn't directly fit what the de- designers are having you do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and certainly it, it, it actually helped me for most of the fights in the game. But whenever there was just a massive differential in, in sort of height or there yeah. was something, you know, like that, that I really needed to kind of keep in mind, that's when I kind of ran into the most problems. And there are mechanics that won't fire if you're not on like level playing ground, especially like yes. visceral attacks and things like that. And there's yeah. like hitboxes on certain movesets will be kind of wonky, too. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Spells and bullets will be blocked. That, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, like there haven't, you know, because I'm a, a non-combatant in general, <laughs> there have been few things I've been able to take from real life and apply to to, to Souls games. <laughs> sure. That's, that's super neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's it's kind of fun and, and interesting. But yes, of course, not not any kind of one-to-one. I, I don't <laughs> fight with uh, large swords and guns. I just, yeah. you know, we don't have a sport for that. <laughs> yet. It, not it's yet. All, not until we have a holiday. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> There's another lore note up here on the second floor as well that says the spider hides all manner of rituals certain to reveal nothing for true enlightenment need not be shared. And this kind of mirrors a note that we found in the chapel of Erden uh, talking about the, 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 the spider kind of blocking the rituals and the revelation of Erden himself. Yeah. Yeah. When he, he's, he's blocking it, he's hiding it uh, from you because of what you, it's going to happen afterwards. Mm-hmm. Once you know, oh, so yeah. it's kind of a double meaning. Like he's hiding it, keeping it secret, but he's also part of that shield, mm-hmm. part of that, you know, huge lake, you know, lake bed of water. It also can be read as reference to uh, 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 a character who gave us the tonsil stone, mm-hmm. who, uh, yes. um, who sends you towards, you know, telling you to go pray and do this ritual, um, you know, but is, does not have your best interest in heart mm-hmm. at heart, um, which we, we talked about getting the tonsil stone, but we did not talk about that encounter, which we will when we talk about Yargul. More fully, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, who that is? Um, yeah. Yep. Um, and we'll we'll also talk about like what enlightenment means as we kind of discuss uh, this next NPC we're going to encounter in the boss fight that lies beyond them. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, because you go up uh, into this rotunda um, in there and you grab a, a key that is right beside this horrible fetus monster inside of a cage on a counter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you guys see that? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's delightful. I, I was frustrated that you had to go get a key for this door, given that it was right upstairs. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Like I don't really understand oh, it. It other than wanting to have a little lore note about the the lunarium, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it just tells you something you're going to find out as soon as you open the door. <laughs> that there is um, a man named Willem who you have heard from before, who kind of yes. in his in his dotage uh, decides that he just wants to sit in his rocking chair and look at the lake. Yeah, we've seen him before. Trying to look at the lake because I don't think he actually has any eyes anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Not where they matter anyway. Not not in his face anyway. (laughs) And there's uh, there's another hunter's tool. This uh, this kind of this phantasm shell, which is this invertebrate uh, shell that you rub along your weapon in order to charge it with arcane energy. Yeah, Mm. that's really good too if you're doing a, a build that can support it. Yeah, um, it's it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Pro- Provost Williams, Master Master Willem, um, who we saw in the cutscene way back at, uh, after we beat Amelia, mm-hmm. um, this is the person who cautioned Lawrence against kind of splintering off 
mm-hmm. and forming the Healing Church. Yeah. Um, he's sitting on a rocking chair, and this kind of beautiful. Like if I if I lived here, this is what I would do. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> totally. He's kind of he's got two of these Garden of Eyes with him up here that will always jump off the the cliff to ambush you on your way up, but they show up every time here, oh. yeah. Um, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Um, you may not like you may not notice them. As soon as you get approach them, they run and jump off. Oh. Because you're meant to, they're meant to jump down on you when you're down there fighting the uh, the fighting flowers of Bergenworth. <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> they're always here, and him kind of being an attendant, and you know, in attendance with these things, uh, makes sense with what you know the the Garden of Eyes are, or what I think they are. Yeah. At least um, lay, lay that out. Um, students. Yep. Like Gra- graduate you know, assistants. You know. <laughs> 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 Almost PhDs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they got placed in uh, in work study programs. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, because the, the you know what the college is doing is trying to gain enlightenment mm-hmm. um, through through closeness and kind of uh, you know through through additional insight and, and closeness with these these great ones and kind of to establish establish contact. Mm-hmm. with them right yeah. um you know and this is this character we're going to fight eventually the boss of this is the success yeah you know and i consider the garden of eyes to be partial successes yeah yeah no. so willem's motivation you know we look at him he's kind of pope-like sitting in his chair and if you if you talk to him uh he'll, he'll just kind of make this vague moaning noise and and point his staff uh, at the lake, um, if you read the description for the uh, the old one's knowledge, which is kind of the super version of the mad one, uh, the mad one's knowledge, um, you know, he's like he thinks that the ways that humans perceive things uh, is just it's it's not sophisticated enough compared to the, the 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 knowledge that he's glimpsed. He's kind of disgusted at their you know at our own limitations, and so his whole life kind of became this pursuit of knowledge beyond human ken. Um, and that involved a deal of exchanging all, basically all of Yarnum and humanity, uh, to, (laughs) to, to, to raise himself to Godhead. And we can kind of see where this gets him. You know, if you, if you look at him, he's got this fungus growing out of the back of his neck. He has no, he has no eyes. They're kind of scabbed, scabbed over or occluded. And, you know, just talking to him gets you to insight, right? Yeah. And all you get is, ah, so that is a very insightful, ah, (laughs) <laughs> yes and even if you kill him uh he sprays white blood like the celestial emissaries uh but mm-hmm. he also drops a rune that is just straight up the elder sign yeah yeah, yeah it, it it is pale blood <laughs> is what he's dropping like it is you know that's my favorite hunter's note before him is you know behold pale blood mm-hmm. and and that is what happens yeah uh, when you kill him and and this uh Something that I'm, we're going to talk about when we talk about this boss, the <laughs> fact that he is so inarticulate mm-hmm. with that ah really ties in with what I think of Ram, mm-hmm. um, who we're going to talk about here in a moment, um, which you can you can find by jumping to the lake. Yeah. If you kill Willem, um, you <laughs> get an item that that boosts your your discovery item discovery stat, mm-hmm. um, nice. which can you know can be useful. Um, I always feel bad killing him though. Yeah, I mean um, he's, 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 he's a little defenseless. Yeah. <laughs> Well, part of the reason why I feel bad killing him is that, and this is gaming it, but one of the things we didn't mention in Bergenworth is that little hatch that's on the floor, mm-hmm. like the DLC hatch when you first go in. Yeah, I mean, that could just lead to chalices, mm-hmm. which would make sense if they had a built-in area to, way to get down to the area of the old gods. But like, part yeah. of me thinks that the DLC, there might be more to Willem. Like sure. if you made contact with him or something like that, something could happen. So yeah. I've been trying to leave him alive in case I need to go back to him. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I just felt bad for him because he looks like a 
defenseless old man. The thing is, though, the whole thing is kind of his fault. Yep. Like the, <laughs> the whole game, all the bad things that have happened to Yarnum, kind of this yeah. one dude's fault. So his you know. per, his pursuit and his hubris, getting people hooked on the idea of transcending and getting people hooked on blood, even though he warned them off of it. The power yes. was just way too, you know, just kind of tempting. Uh, yes. For people in general, and then just leading everything to spiral out of control into what we see with the with the school of Mensis. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But and the reason, by I still can't bring myself to hate him because mm-hmm. his motivation is so unlike, you know, it's so unvillainous, mm-hmm. and it's so like on souls. Like he just wants additional understanding. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't come from a desire to rule the world. It's just a desire to know more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which again, like that being what leads to a fall and that leading to like abject horror and misery is just like such a resonant theme mm-hmm. with me. Yeah. Like yeah. Willem is not happy. <laughs> he, <laughs> no. he has a version of what he wanted. Mm-hmm. It's not great. True like, enlightenment it, 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 need not be shared. And what that means is you either end up a gigantic spider in a barrier dimension or completely inarticulate just sitting and rocking. Yeah. Like, like knowing <laughs> these things, we don't have the frame of reference to want to know, to deal with what we want to know because we don't know it now. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything is different once you have this knowledge and we don't have the frame of reference to desire it in good conscience, yeah. you know, or with uh, with informed consent. Yeah. Like and, and even if he were a worthwhile vessel for this, you, once you crack that open, the people who don't have your self-control um, are going to take it and run with it and, you know, just kind of let ruin loose on everything, you know, and hold dear. Again, it's it's a corruption. Yep. Yes. You know, it, it is corruption through knowledge, though, and desire for knowledge rather than like a, a poison or the, you know, the the dark or any of the <laughs> other things that they've dealt with in the game. So in that respect, it is, you know, hats off to you. Hats <laughs> off to you, Bloodborne. Uh, <laughs> Pope, hat, Pope hat off. Right there yeah, to miter you. off to Miter you. off to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, miter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's talk about what happens if you jump in the lake. Oh my gosh, this is one of my favorite moments in the game when oh, you sorry. when you fall not into the lake itself, but the reflection of the moon. And this, it's got this crazy double reflection as you look down upon it, and then you go into what appears to be the Dark Link fight from Ocarina of Time. Yes, but it's this exactly. <laughs> it's this awesome kind of bluish purple, like false horizon of a like an endless flat mirror like ocean in every direction, and it's entirely peaceful except for this undulating mass at the at the at the peripheral oh my gosh it is just aesthetically one of my favorite things in a souls game yeah one of the things i love about it is that you're left with this um unblemished kind of lake and this 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 invading thing on it this kind of thing that doesn't stick out and the fact that they made him only the first time you fight him (laughs) non-aggressive and the reason is so you can go check him out i think (laughs) um if you you check her out. out Check her out. Yeah. Um, check, well, exactly. that's right. Realm is is probably a lady. Mm-hmm. And it has yeah. to do with the eggs and all the other. Yeah. Yeah, for yep. sure. And also Miyazaki's interview, too. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's just, right. That's yeah. right. Yep. Um, so you can go over and eventually you will have to, to attack this non-aggressive thing. But it is the <laughs> fact that it doesn't start the fight tells you something. Um, and kind of two things. Like, one is that it is serving as this kind of bulwark against the Blood Moon, as we'll find. Um, the other thing, though, is this... Uh, this idea of like creating a god and having it be an idiot god, <laughs> you know, like having it be a, a thoughtless thing. Like mm-hmm. the people, you know, the the internet lore meisters behind Bloodborne have been going back and forth on whether that's the interpretation that they like for Rom, whether Rom is supposed to be this kind of empty-headed <sighs> creature. I like it. 
I think that's how the body, like the the body language, mm-hmm. reads to me of Rom. I think that's how, like, just the facial expression for what it is. Like, there's not very much face there, but like the yeah. facial expression just reads as like blank. Yeah. Like the idea of you being ascended to something that is undeniably a great one, and later we find out like it is, you know, Rom is a true great one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not kind of like a, an Ursat's one. But it just being like again that once you get what you want, you're it's, not going to want it anymore. It's it's a it's yeah. a genie's monkey paw wish, right? It's wishing to be the richest person in the world and then getting a solid gold head. It's yeah. it's it's wishing yeah. to have have complete understanding and then having your mind blanked. It's wishing to be totally powerful, but ultimately ending up uh, a master of a realm with nothing to with nothing to have power over and thus being completely impotent. Yeah. Like it's it's totally reaching beyond your grasp and getting a perverted uh, again like you said you you know you you want it but you wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah. So much of it to me also kind of says something about those who you know a lot of this game for me has a lot to do with sort of the brain body uh, divide. You know, there are some people who are beasts and and they're all body. There's no more mind. And then there are the folks who, you know, the the the, the scholars here who are no longer body or no longer the bodies that they once were, but now they're all mind or that's what they wanted, you know? And that's mm. sort of saying that going too far in either direction is, is a horrible thing. Like humanity is best when it acknowledges sort of the animal and the, and the refined, mm. you know, mm-hmm. higher mind kind of um, aspects of humanity. Maybe I, again, I might be reading a little too much into it, but I really like that. I like that idea in general. And these people, you know, the, the whole idea of what if you could have the most infinite mind, but then you would no longer be human mm-hmm. really speaks to me. And yeah, again, that's totally a Star Trek thing. But uh, <laughs> it's something that really does speak to me as someone who who likes to think uh, that living in both of those dimensions is a really good thing, a good, healthy mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good read. It's a toggle, right? Where just base humanity is right there in the middle. And what yeah. happens yeah. when yeah. there are forces beyond your control or forces that you unleash that kind of push you in one direction or the other. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you can sit down and, and look at Rom forever. Like Rom, <laughs> yeah. Rom will never, yeah. never start to fight you the first time. And when you hit him, he won't do anything at first. Um, but raiding from the sky will be a dozen... <laughs> oh, God. Tiny ROMs. <laughs> yep, they, like it's it's like they're shot out of missile launchers from over <laughs> like like from overhead planes. Yeah, <laughs> they, oh God. they dive bomb down, and I like this fight a lot, Gary. I know that you don't, and Danielle, I want to get your opinion as well. But uh, yeah. let me know if you disagree with this. This is football. Oh, totally. <laughs> it totally is. You're trying to get in there and sack the quarterback. And all of these Spider-Men are the linemen, and it's just a matter of trying to find the line and make your play and get out before too much damage is done so you can reset the line of scrimmage and then go again. Yeah, I, like- I, think, I, I think I like it in theory. Mm-hmm. I think I just wasn't skillful enough to kind of really get the timing right in terms of dodging out of that, that second wave attack. You know, sort of when they come raining down again, I was cool yeah. with, with dodging them as they individually jump at me. I, mm-hmm. I had that down. But it was that that sort of second wave that always got me, and I was yeah. I always kind of got frustrated with it. And I was like, I just want to hit the spider. Come on, let me <laughs> hit the spider. You know. <laughs> yeah. It, for me, yeah, it was just it was it was just numbers. Like it just mm-hmm. ended up being it was too easy to have one spider stun me and then another one that was off camera that I can't you know I don't have eyes on every side of my head. <laughs> I can't yeah. look at you know I don't have a panopticon like and it just jumps yeah. up and lands on me and that's it. You know, it, there are just way too many moments that. 
I'm fighting one thing that I had to fight. Like I, you try to get in there. Like the, the standard advice for this fight is don't fight the spiders. Yeah. You know, just fight Rom, but just even fighting Rom, one spider walks up and love taps me from behind and another one dive bombs <laughs> me on the head Yeah, and that's it. Or one taps me on the, on the side. And that's when Rom decides to turn over on his back and be cute <laughs> and get a belly rub. And, and yeah. when you give yeah. Rom a belly rub, yeah it it is it was just numbers and i think that it doesn't speak so much to the fight like i had a real revelation when i was playing this again for the show is that i would have liked this fight in dark souls 2 and the reason being is that like in in earlier souls games you have uh like a passive defense like you can put on heavy armor you can wear a shield things like that you don't have to see things necessarily to defend from them in in this fight and in bloodborne you like, I love dodging. Like, I, I, I've i gone through all the Souls games without a shield. Like, it's very fun to dodge roll through everything. Yeah. But when you have threats literally coming from 365 degrees around you, mm-hmm. and yeah. there's no way to use the environment to your advantage, there's nothing you can you can do to mitigate that, it just felt shitty to have my super low Bloodborne defense assailed by, you know, just one, you know, one-two punch of spiders. And yeah. it just, like, I felt like I wasn't wasn't able to do anything about it. Like, a lot of my deaths to Rom felt arbitrary and infuriating. Especially once she starts casting spells against you, because otherwise yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just her cadre who can hurt you. Um, and the spells make it either difficult to be close to her because of her AoE, or even to make your approach because of kind of the soul spears she, uh, she arcs at you. Um, it requires um, more situational awareness than you actually have any ability to act on. Or yeah, yeah. Exactly. when I when I say I would have liked it in Dark Souls Two, I also would have liked it in like a game that had an overhead perspective mm-hmm. instead of an sure. over the shoulder perspective. You know, yeah. anything that would allowed me to see more. I mean, maybe that's the weird <laughs> meta idea of this of this fight. Is like if I had more eyes, um, I could have. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that's some Kojima logic. There you yeah. go. <laughs> but it is, and 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 just this last time I played it, I just realized how to avoid those ice missiles from the sky. Mm-hmm. Like how I do you? Because I think they hit me in every iteration of this fight. <laughs> uh, unlock on and sprint. You <laughs> okay. have to be sprinting in one direction and they won't hit you. But yeah. you can't be All locked right. on to anything and you can't just move. You have to actually sprint. Okay. Because and that and it was just infuriating because they don't do that much damage. But then just again, one of those spiders would dive on me. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, they would just it. yeah, dog pile. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. Yeah. This is an instance where my affection for the aesthetic uh, overwhelmed my minor frustration. I didn't have as much trouble with this as you did, Gary. I think I had more trouble with the uh, with the shadows of Yarnum. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, Danielle, how about you? Like, how did this stack up? It just in the grand scheme of bosses and frustration. Was this a wall, or was it kind of a kind of kind of underwhelming? So this one, I was ready for this one to to make me want to cry because Phil had my my colleague that I did the let's play with had so much trouble with this fight. I think we <laughs> did it like twelve times or something, and I you know I I had to cut out sort of the whole <laughs> half uh, you know in between the first three and the last one. You know yeah. that, that happened with a couple of bosses. You know, magic <laughs> of editing, good stuff. Yeah. Um, so he had a lot of trouble with it, and he is just generally has a lot more experience with the Souls games than I do. So I really kind of took my time getting here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even attempt ROM until, you know, I had done a lot of other side stuff. I had gone through Castle Kanehurst. I had done some other things, uh, and then came back, and then kind of knew it was probably going to be a few tries. I think I, I killed ROM eventually on my fifth try, possibly. But I did have, I did have a lot of problems, and not with the, those spiders, like I said, but with, that, uh, with the spell. That's what really kind of yeah. got me. I just never properly dodged 
And apparently I had to sprint. <laughs> Dodging was just the wrong thing anyway. Um, mm. I, I, I really did like the idea of this fight. And there were there were a few fights in this game that, that happened to me as well. I mean, Martyr Legarius is another perfect example for me for a fight that I wanted to love. But that one got too frustrating. But Rom kind of hit a pretty good sweet spot. Maybe a little closer to the annoyance level than the, you know, mm. absolutely thrilled with it level. But... Um, yeah, it, it's a cool idea. I really just wish there was there was a better way of sort of avoiding some of what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, I love the set piece and the lore stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think he's it's visually striking and cool as hell, and like hits all of my buttons other than my mechanical buttons. <laughs> you know, just that because yeah. I did that. I did that big spreadsheet of like the these are the bosses I think work visually or you know thematically and visually and which ones i think i like mechanically when mm-hmm. i say work i don't really mean to be that prescriptive like just to my personal taste and yeah. he definitely you know yeah. just hits he definitely hits that category hard yeah um it's just this this other one that it doesn't mm-hmm. um yeah is there anything else we need to hit mechanically about this oh um tonatris like, oh, yeah. like, oh, like yeah. you really you really want to be using the tonatris for this yeah um, electricity yeah. works great against kin and this is not only kin but um kith what is it this is <laughs> this is what all the kin are kin of yeah oh yes yes <laughs> it's uh yeah so, so, <laughs> um but even even with the if you buff the tonitress you can actually even fight the, the little spiders from the front like mm-hmm. we didn't mention that they their heads are, are rocks that's another reason why i think rom is stupid <laughs> is that it, you know her head is literally a rock mm-hmm. um but you uh so you, you don't do very much damage to yeah. the head um, i i can see an interpretation where like oh rom is actually something that is intelligent and all-powerful whatever but just in a way that humans can't care about mm. like they're like sure. that, that's possible it's not as satisfying to me as it being a rock-headed thing that is brought in to displace whatever is holding all the great stuff back just kind of mm-hmm. like it's it, 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 like rom feels like a cosmic accident to me yeah like the, the i mean i'm just i agree with that i just like the idea of like well technically this is a god yep <laughs> like that that is so powerful of a thing for me in mm-hmm. fiction like yeah th- this horrible pathetic like pitiful monster is a god <laughs> like that's too good yep uh, yeah it's kind of perfect <laughs> yep um, but we we get a mind blowing cutscene after this again. Just so oh my god! Yes. Thrills. Like this is really good. It starts literally raining blood. Yep, it's it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, trapped in purgatory, a lifeless object alive, awaiting reprisal. Death will be their acquisition. Which which one is that? What is that from? That is raining blood by Slayer. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it felt appropriate, right? Yeah, I know. It's exactly what's going on there. Mm-hmm. So it sounded like an item description. Mm-hmm. I know, right? Like, yeah, it could have that could have been for 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 an item. So that's what I thought. The uh, my yeah, slayer catalog is an item description. Is a slayer lyric? Yeah, like, that's how it is. It's like, yeah. a metal. Um, you look around and you see a abnormally tall woman uh, in the distance in a white dress, um, mm-hmm. crying. And she has blood down the front of her, the, blood, the front of her dress. And this is going to end up being a tremendously important character. Yeah. Um, and you head toward her, but before you can quite get to her, the, the actual cutscene part starts. Um, you hear a, a baby crying, and then you get one of the most, like, make, you know, see, visuals to make the player feel insignificant <laughs> um, kind, of, kind of set piece I've seen, which is your tiny, tiny character in front of a, a huge, furious-looking red moon, um, <laughs> you know, uh, at... Uh, Majora's mask, you know, oh, comparisons yeah. appropriate, uh, yeah. bearing down on you. Yeah. 
you're not watching it get bigger in real time. It's doing these awesome kind of like cross dissolve cuts mm-hmm. to just get bigger in phases as it's going along until just it completely takes up the frame and you are a tiny silhouette at the very bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of gorgeous too. Mm-hmm. It's it's just one of those moments that will never leave my my head. You know, when I think about Bloodboard, I'm like, yeah, that moon, <laughs> my tiny little hunter, and that moon. And, you know, so scale, like which, you know, matters of scale tend to make humans uncomfortable, along with a sound that is evolutionarily designed to make people uncomfortable. The sound <laughs> of a baby crying uh, with this, with, with this uh, you know, kind of horrible woman, or at least a woman in a horrible, uh, pitiful state um, here kind of being the harbinger of this. It's this is a turning point. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, yeah, everything. This is, this everything is the changes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, of this game for sure and we're going to talk about like a lot of little changes happen other than just being able to advance in the game yeah um we're going to save them for the next episode mm-hmm. because we've covered a lot of ground here sure yeah. but um yeah so that that's that's it for now um danielle before we get on to kind of our admin stuff and what we're doing next time sure. um thank you again yeah you know, thank for you um, <laughs> yeah you, thank you guys you... for having me this was so much fun i would i would love to come back if y'all ever need another <laughs> guest yeah well it's been yeah, delightful that... Yeah, we'll uh, we'll take you up on that. We got a, a new Dark Souls coming around the corner um, yeah. before too long. Um, where can you remind people uh, who are listening where they can find you online? Of course, um, you can find me at Polygon, uh, just Polygon.com. You can find me Idle Thumbs, IdleThumbs.net, and on Twitter, Danielle R I. It's D A N I E L L E R I. And thank you guys again for having me. This was so much fun. Yeah, this is this is super fun. Yeah. So yeah. Was... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my apartment it's a lab, oh, yeah. lab buzzer cold. sorry it scares me i jumped too so cole started shaving oh we were done <laughs> <laughs> there we go that's how i know i'm, I'm done with things Um, yeah, so we are, we're going to continue our admin stuff. Um, Danielle uh, had to leave, but she was very gracious with her time. And we, we talk about this a lot. Every time we get done with somebody, we end up kind of talking sugar about them for a few minutes because we're very blessed to have super nice people <laughs> joining us on our show. And, and she is definitely no exception. Yeah. So I was, uh, you know, one of my one of my favorite guests that we've had. Yeah. So, so. Um, yeah, if, if, if you liked her uh, performance on here, reach out and say, hey, super enjoyed that. Yeah, and go ahead and go follow her on stuff. Yes. And everything, because uh, she's great. Yep, and if you didn't catch those in the audio, uh, those will be in the show notes as, as well at uh, mm-hmm. um, duckfeed.tv slash bonfire slide chat. Bonfire slide chat. Bonfire slide chat is our water slide. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really dangerous water slide. I know, slide. right? But yeah, um, duckfeed.tv slash bonfire slide chat slash 71. Um, what are you doing next time, Cole? Next time, um, after getting this massive lore revelation, why don't we talk about a year-old game? Yep, that, that's right. We're talking about Arkham Origins. Uh, I don't know what I don't know if that came out a year ago. That might have been two years ago. Um, we're finally doing our Scholar episode. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the you know as much as we both really like the Scholar, the first in new mm-hmm. version. These are the episodes that are a little bit bittersweet mm-hmm. because they uh, revise and change so much of what we spent you know doing during the Dark Souls two season. So we talked yeah. about the patch stuff. This is going to be us talking about mechanical changes and kind of revisiting this game. Yeah. Um, 
but since it requires replaying the entire game and because there are really significant mechanical changes mm-hmm. um this is a this is a twofer yeah um, um, but it's not going to be a whole we're not spending a month on scholar no so it'll be two episodes in a row about uh, about scholar and we will decide on a an appropriate uh kind of like cutoff point for that um mm-hmm. and uh and then we're going to have an appendix uh where we read your responses so if you're wondering when is the best time to send in a response at duckfeed.tv slash contact uh sooner is better than later Yes. Yeah, because we, we don't know exactly how we're going to record those, and those might end up being recorded in the entirety in like two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how that goes. Um, yeah, so so we're looking forward to that. Um, in the interest of due diligence, you know, <laughs> we have to, uh, we, we, I mean, I keep talking about, I'm, it's like I'm apologizing away for it. Like, I really <laughs> like playing it. I really like the new version. Yeah. It's just kind of, it came inconveniently, and we talked yeah. about that at length, <laughs> how it, it couldn't have been released at a more inconvenient yeah. time. Yep. Um, And, you know, like what, like for us, you know, if we had kind of more time to dedicate to this, they like, these would be like, Oh, these will come out on Fridays, you know, before the main episodes, like we would just double up, but because we have to play through a whole 40 hour game again, (laughs) take notes and talk about a bunch of stuff. This does have to kind of supplant our normal bloodborne, uh, kind of uh, workflow. Right. Yeah. It's another one of those like grim reminders that we don't do this for a living. (laughs) Like, I mean, we, we, we make a tiny portion of our living off of this. Yeah. Um, and it's self-supportive, which is awesome, mm-hmm. but it is not the kind of thing where we can afford to not have jobs and not have other kinds of income, which we would need to do. I, I think about this like it's a full-time job, and I really, really hope it comes across like we're treating it like one. But yes. uh, but it but but it very much is like I gotta go, I gotta go sling tech jargon on the side in yeah. order to in order yeah. to make this happen. So so, so maybe someday. Yeah. Maybe someday we'll be like Adam Carolla in every way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the uh or at least in that one specific way yep but um, we will return um i believe our next kind of mainline episode is about Kanehurst. yes um which is going to be a a wonderful return to form for people who are into bloodborne because as we alluded with danielle like that is just an all-star uh, section of this game and the guests that we have lined up for the the last areas of the game are mm-hmm. all uniformly great yeah like specifically some of you know there's some episodes that are still kind of up in the air but two of the uh the guests that we have for two of the areas i'm really excited about so and you, and you should be too if you are listening. Yeah. Um, for these scholar episodes, we probably won't have guests because right. we'd be asking them to just talk about half the game. <laughs> be kind of weird. Um, yeah. So that's just going to be Cole and I. Yep. Um, what else is new? Well, Gary, uh, since the last time we uh, we recorded, we have committed to and been invited to a speaking engagement. So. Um, one of our listeners is an organizer for the Ohio Game Developers Expo, um, and that takes place in Columbus, um, I believe, from November the 6th through the 8th. That is Columbus, Ohio, at the COSI Center, which, Gary, is the place where I learned my love for science and also for video recording arts, actually. <laughs> um, if, yeah, yeah, if you're from Illinois, just substitute the Museum of Science and Industry <laughs> down there. So that, that I had to look up what the COSI Center was in order to, like— figure out why you're so excited about it mm-hmm. oh it's super good like this is this is a dream to be asked to like do anything at cosi aside from learn about leverage by lifting a car um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great so we're gonna we're gonna be there um uh in order to talk about kind of uh kind of the lessons that uh, dark souls and from's games in general can teach um i believe mm-hmm. is the angle that we're taking on it gary how's this for a panel title lessons from lordran oh that's pretty good <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not bad. Um, the uh, uh, So, yeah, it's not going to be a regular episode of the show. Right. So we're not doing a live episode of the show. We're doing uh, a game design focus talk about these games that we know 
very, very well. Like, I mm-hmm. won't make any aggrandizing statements as far as, you know, where we are in that stratum, but I think mm-hmm. it's fairly, you know, fair to say that we've spent more time than most <laughs> talking about and dissecting yeah. the mechanics of these games. Um, this is an event that's open to the public, though. Yeah. Um, ticket prices are very reasonable. Yep. There's going to be a lot of other cool stuff there, a lot of indie game developers showing their stuff, um, other talks that are being held. Um, we'd love it if you came. Yeah. And you would want, you should come even if we weren't going to be there, but we are going to be there. Mm-hmm. So you some, come see us talk and come say hi and, yeah. and hang out because we're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, you know, our panel's like an hour. Yep. <laughs> so we're going to want to hang out and do stuff. Yeah. In addition um, to that. Yep. So um, if you're in the Columbus area or the Midwest in general, we really urge you to get there. Um, and also I'd like to organize some something in the Cincinnati area as well, uh, because that's where Gary's going to be crashing at my mm-hmm. place in sunny Oakley, Ohio. Uh, to, uh, uh, you know, along with, uh, you know, Dennis and David and anybody else who wants to uh, kind of come We're all going to sleep in one bed. Yeah, it's going to be Dennis, Dave. Dennis, David, and Gary are crashing at Cole's house. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> and I'm selfish enough to like, I'll be over on the queen size. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all on my couch. Super awkward. I have uh, one middle spoon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're, we're going to, you know, if you're Columbus, we're going to hang out and say hi. We're not going to mm-hmm. do like a formal meet up there, but. Yep. You know, we're down. We're going to have to eat lunch or something. We'd have to eat lunch with you. And then uh, in Cincinnati, we're going to have a formal meetup and stuff. And it's going to be super, super fun. Yep. And we're super honored to have been asked. Like, this is this is a big deal for us. And it's a big deal for the show. And um, boy, oh, boy, do I hope we do not make fools of ourselves. Yeah, it's going to be really, really hard if we (laughs) just go up there and just start spouting racist nonsense (laughs) as a reflex. We can't edit ourselves, Gary. Yeah, like, yeah I know. what are we gonna do um, we should get a, a couple of talk boys so we can um like say the things we want to say into our coats and then flash it at them and then put the talk boys up to the microphone yeah um and for anybody who is asking if we're going to record this uh we're still working that out if we can we will and we will find yes. some way to get it out there yep indeed um further things um i'm gonna go ahead and tackle the third one on this list okay because the second one is news to me as far as the uh the, the particulars um just so you know it may seem conspicuously absent that we did not start talking about dark souls 3 trailers and announcements mm-hmm. um in this episode and it's going to continue to seem conspicuously absent um because we're probably not going to address them unless it's pretty big um like if they say like it's a we exclusive like <laughs> like well well shit okay, oh, okay we should probably one. mention that um but this is it's i mean it's it's probably not the best for our, you know, one of the one of the advantages to us being independent when you're talking about not being able to do this for a full time job is you can make decisions like this mm-hmm. in uh, in that we have chosen not to be a news source for Dark Souls three. We're about the uh, experience, right? We're not we're about, breaking new. We're, we're not breaking Souls news. That stuff's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend listening to uh, Twin Humanities probably mm-hmm. if you're into that because I know that they trawl the the news sources and talk about it every time something comes up Mm -hmm. we are more historical and like encyclopedic Mm -hmm. you know this area by area approach that we've gotten into and we're both really into it and it makes each individual episode kind of like its own little magazine Mm -hmm. you know about that area and and we're into that so we're we're not going to start covering dark souls 3 news right um even if it would get us all the hottest clicks and (laughs) and badass chicks um and and like this isn't some big sacrifice we're making in the name of credibility this is honestly to preserve our own experiences and make sure we go in untainted is the wrong word but just kind of like again experience is the watchword yeah because the um i was talking on on twitter to uh the lore hunter and to to jeremy and uh jeremy's like no just get into the hype like watch the the trailer because he's a real mephistopheles figure and (laughs) and and he's just like "You'll, you'll forget about it and I and I I feel like I had a pretty good counterexample. Like we 
when we started playing Dark Souls 2, every single person who started playing that knew that the turtle knights would fall back on you if you tried to backstab them. <laughs> yeah. Like not one person didn't know that going in and that sucks. Like how cool <laughs> yeah. would that have been? Like, yeah. you, you know, you go to go backstab them and it falls on you. You would have just been like, that's a fucking amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I want all of that that's to be because, yeah. you know, who knows how long this from train is going to keep going. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've already lost, you know, two opportunities to go into one of these games fresh. Mm-hmm. I won't lose any more. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm staying very radio silent on this stuff. I've had to unfollow a bunch of people. It's, it's <laughs> it'll it'll all get better when it comes out. But for yeah. now, uh, Th- this makes our relationship with social media and anything that happens in uh, in our Facebook group or in the Slack kind of difficult as people kind of share this stuff. Um, but uh, just kind of understand that uh, we will probably not look at it or address it directly, um, just in the interest of kind of preserving our own take on these things. Yeah, if, if you want to share cool Dark Souls 3 stuff on Facebook, it's okay. I just mm-hmm. say, be wary of spoilers. Like, make sure you mark it. That's going to be as such. Mm-hmm. And just don't be offended if we don't respond. Like, if you guys want to talk to each other about it, that's fine. Yeah. Like, that doesn't bother me. Um, just don't feel hurt if you know, I'm not, <laughs> not going along with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we have another bit of admin. This is just a huge month for the month for the network, Gary. Um, mm-hmm. We were asked um, uh, by the folks from Kane and Rince, including uh, Matt Lee, his previous guest on the show, uh, to give our three word reviews for Dark Souls Two. I'm not sure what that turned into on the episode. It could totally be just like a mockery of us, but uh, that is coming out in August. So I want to kind of throw cross props to them. If you're not listening to, uh, to 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 their show or the way they approach games, it's super cool, and I was happy to have been asked. Um, what we thought of the game. Yeah, we like those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's the normal admin stuff. We talked about um, Patreon, and we, uh, patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Um, we talked about, uh, I'm trying to come up with a, an alternative pronunciation uh, similar to Jeremy Parrish's Patreon. Mm-hmm. So Patreon, I'm thinking, is, <laughs> is going to be my alternative uh, pronunciation. I prefer to lean on the O, you know. Oh, Patreon. <laughs> pa- Patreon, <laughs> yeah, like Heron. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. And speaking of the Patreon, um, we've been doing it for about, uh, let's say, a year and four months now. And in, the, in, the, in that time, we have kind of learned a couple of things about kind of what we can do to add more value to that and uh, kind of revamp our approach to the way we structure our tiers and things like that. So uh, around the time that this episode comes out, we're going to have kind of a revamp uh, that offers more tiers and kind of more access uh, to the things that we do. Um, Yes. Yes. So we're not Um, taking anything away. We're moving some stuff around, mm -hmm. um, kind of learning not just like what we can do, like Cole said, but also like what people actually respond to and want. Yes. Um, so there's kind of a lot of these that we're going to go to. We're going to have those up on the page Mm -hmm. so you can check them out in detail, but we'll cover a couple of them now. So like there's one tier, which is relatively low where you can get like access to our Slack channel. Slack is the hippest, hottest new thing. People probably don't necessarily know what Slack is. You dropped that casually (laughs) earlier. Why don't you tell all the people what Slack is? Well, Gary, in the startup world, as a tech forward, um, um, (laughs) entrepreneurist, um, (laughs) no, no, this prosumer and I'm interested in this. (laughs) No, Slack is, uh, think of it like a, like a replacement for IRC. Right. So this is just a way for um, groups to get together and chat. And so um, it'd be cool for us to kind of get our network organization together around that. But uh, think of a big chat room that you can be invited to uh, if you are a donor. Um, at the $2 or up level uh, to, uh, you know, kind of talk with other fans of the network and of the shows. Yeah. And to people who are on the show. Yep. Yeah, so we're, we're, that's the idea is that it's just it, it's a chat room. Mm-hmm. 
Like it, it, it is, it is a chat room. It has a fancy name and sounds fancy, but it's just a chat room <laughs> that we can invite you to, that uh, you can hang out and and chat with us. And when we do our live streams and the like, which we'll talk about, um, that's where we'll have chat kind of going currently. Um, mm-hmm. That's been a requested feature for those. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yep. Um, also, Gary, um, abject suffering. I like doing that show. Do you like yeah. doing that show? I do. People like listening to that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if you could get to vote on some games that we play for the show? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can, and that that is something we're going to do, and they're going to be bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do so. We're going to right now we produce you know one episode of Abject Suffering per week. Um, we're going to start doing an extra one per month um, that is going to be uh, backer exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys get that kind of additional content, and eventually will become for sale. Similar to our, um, we have other episodes mm-hmm. that are premium episodes. They're on sale in the store. Eventually they'll they'll be on sale for like a buck or what have you, um, buck two bucks. Mm-hmm. But uh, they'll be free for patrons. Yep. So automatically you're getting this $2 and extra episode of the show yeah. with your contribution at that level. What if you could enter a raffle to directly choose which game we play? What if? <laughs> <laughs> what brave sci-fi nightmare would that be? <laughs> uh, I mean, it pretty much describes it. Like, the, it, it is summed up in the hypothetical. Yes. Yeah, so right now we choose those games randomly, but you'll be able to just say like, hey, I, I need you guys to play, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Taboo the Sixth Sense, and we'll do it. So. Yep. And we can't keep playing Taboo the Sixth Sense. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So and and people you know like it when their games get chosen mm-hmm. for that show. So this is uh, and you you know you share your memory if you don't listen to that show mm-hmm. on the show if you like our digressions you should, you should yep. check it out at least and uh, people share their kind of memories of these games and, yeah. and the like as well so you can do that. Yeah. So this is just a way for us to kind of like be responsive, like, you know, <laughs> with, with with the way everything moves so quickly. The fact that it stayed the same for a year in so many months is kind of remarkable. But mm-hmm. um, we're doing this in order to just kind of shake things up and uh, respond to what people seem to really enjoy. Yeah. If you if you feel sore about any of the stuff, just yes. let us know. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, not we don't need to censor you. You can just t- you can say it however you scream it from the hilltops. <laughs> but uh, we don't want anybody who's one of our patrons to feel shitty about this change. Yes. So just let us know and we'll work with you to try to make it right. Mm-hmm. So, yep. So that is uh duckfeed.com slash contact. There is a report a problem link there and we will um, kind of address that. But um, yeah, we just, uh, we, we, we hope you enjoy this. And if you don't, we will try and find some way to, uh, to make it work for everybody. Yeah. Even duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Did Either I say or. that? Did I say that? duckfeed.com. Oh, well, I don't have that domain, so... That's okay. That's why I corrected well, you. Thanks. <laughs> also, just before we get letters, the uh, the bagmen, I don't think, have tentacles on their faces. No? No. Oh, they, they, they look like it to me, but... Mm. Um, yeah, they... they um, I, I looked up some images during that. Um, nah. They have some kind of, like, hanging stuff on their robes. Yeah, I suppose that's what of, it like, is. They have kind of, tattered robes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying that so we don't get <laughs> letters about it. I'm not saying it. To, I yeah. told you so. Um, if you want to respond to either Scholar of the, Scholar of the First Sin or Kane Hurst or any of the uh, episodes coming up, that is duckfeed.tv slash contact. Um, also, we are at facebook.com slash bonfireside chat. Uh, it is a hip and happening place to be for talking about souls um, and Bloodborne and whatnot. Um, Gary, mm-hmm. what else is there? That's almost it, right? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> we've been going um, for a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been a while. I think that's pretty much everything you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so do all those things. Keep an eye on our our Patreon. Come see us mm-hmm. in uh, in Ohio, and uh, yeah, reach cool. out. What uh, what else they can do? They can uh, beware of eating too many eyeballs. Yeah, watch out for eyes. Watch out for eyes. <laughs> see, watch. Huh? Watch out what? for watching out. <laughs> oh, and follow Danielle, because she's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's wonderful. 
and we all pray that we will have far more soon.